Chair, I think we are ready to proceed if you are. Very good, thank you. Um, Luke Sinclair, Chair, uh, welcome everybody to the February 23rd, 2022 meeting of the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Commission. Um, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Becky Pepper to read the rules um, of this sort of hybrid in-person Zoom call. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission room is Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services Director, and Kyle Kobe, who will be facilitating the Zoom video portion of the meeting. We will work alongside the chair, who is on remote video, to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function of this public meeting is disabled and all chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you're participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. And when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title uh, before you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating in person should approach the podium following social distancing and safety protocols. Individuals are required to wear a mask, but may remove their mask when making remarks at the podium. Please state your name before speaking, and your comments will be limited to three minutes. Individuals providing comment via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu, depending on the device you're using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. And when you're called on, please unmute your device, state your name before speaking. Again, comments will be limited to three minutes. For commissioners, all motions need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. Staff will then proceed, staff will then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I again want to remind everyone to please mute yourself when you're not speaking. And now I'll turn the meeting over to the chair. Thank you, Becky. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Um, we'll launch in here. I just wanted to make a couple of comments at the outset, given that we it sounds like we have a number of people in person, and then I think also on this call. Um, we'll get to the agenda items here uh, before long. Um, and just so everyone knows sort of how those things proceed, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the staff, a member of the planning staff is going to make a, a presentation of the report and then sort of restate what the staff's recommendation is. Um, after that, the applicant, if there is one on that particular item, will have um, 10 minutes to um, make their own presentation. Um, after that, we'll have a, a, a period of public comment for anybody that wants to speak um, on that particular agenda item. Um, everybody is entitled to uh, three minutes um, to offer their comments. Um, after that's all wrapped up, after that's all wrapped up, um, we will then give the applicant, if there is one, an opportunity to um, respond to those comments, and then uh, we'll, we'll close comments and, and discuss the matter as a commission. So that's kind of generally how things will proceed. We're going to go through some housekeeping items before we get there. If there is anybody in the room that has public comments that they want to offer um, about any items that are not on our agenda tonight, uh, we'll have a period of time 
um, for that. And I'll, I'll announce that when we get there. Uh, so with that, then, we will uh, jump in. Um, the first item uh, is uh, our, our general business. I, I guess, Jeff, is there are there any general meeting items that we need to discuss? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services Director, none this evening. Okay. Luke Sinclair, Chair, thank you for that. Uh, then we will move on to the Planning Commission Action Summary. Um, does any, do any commissioners have any questions or revisions to make to uh, the minutes, our, our meeting minutes from January 24th and 26th of 2022? Uh, not seeing any. Uh, is there anybody that's willing to make a motion to approve uh, those minutes? So moved. Thank you, Commissioner Carter. Moved by uh, moved to approve and then seconded by Commissioner Rexford by hand motion. Um, Jeff, can you read the roll on that, please? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Okay. Commissioner Rexrod? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. The motion passes eight to zero. Luke Sinclair, Chair, thank you. Um, we'll move on to committee reports then. Are there any uh, members of the commission that wish to offer reports for any committees that have met over the past month? Uh, not seeing any hands. Luke Sinclair Chair, we'll move on then uh, to Section D, communications. Um, Jeff, are there any written communications from the public that we need to receive? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services Director. All the written communications we received were included as part of your package this evening. Very good. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, then uh, written communications from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners. Uh, I see there's one listed there. Are, can you maybe touch base on that and then let us know if there's anything else? Certainly, Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services Director. This is a copy of a letter that was sent out to the area that you all probably know best is the West of K-10 plan area that was sent out for an upcoming meeting the city's holding at Sports Pavilion Lawrence to talk about annexation in that area. Um, so as, as the letter, you were all copied on that and as included as part of your packet this evening in case you want to uh, have that information. We've also included, as you'll see at the end of your agenda, a note about um, attending that meeting. So if commissioners would like to attend it, the item is noticed appropriately for that purpose. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you, uh, Jeff. If any commissioners have questions about that, Jeff, would now be the appropriate time to raise those or should we wait till the, the end of the miscellaneous new and old business? Jeff Crick, Planning Development Services, I, either would be be fine on that front there. Um, Commissioner, if they want to time to percolate on that, we could do it at the end or we could do it right now if there are questions. Uh, Luke Sinclair Chair, I guess my preference maybe would be to wait till the end, given that we have um, people on the call uh, that want to talk about some items and we as a commission can uh, talk about that stuff later, if that's okay with everyone. Um, uh, the next would be then, do we have any written actions of waiver requests or determinations um, made by the city engineer to receive? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services, none this evening. 
are there any uh, are there any commissioners that need to disclose any ex parte communications? Commissioner Ashworth. Yes, uh, Sharon Ashworth, Planning Commissioner. I received a late afternoon email from Scott White about the item before us tonight, the solar regulations, um, expressing concern about the water quality analysis and the soil analysis, and that I'm sure will be covered um, during tonight's meeting. Very good. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. Uh, Commissioner Willie. Sharon Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, as usual, the ad hoc committee has had a lot of conversations with a variety of people, and we've tried to capture that in one document that I think Commissioner Carpenter uh, might share. But I also had a, a late email communication just after the packet from Carrie Brandon with the uh, Citizens for Responsible Solar, and I think that she and perhaps the rest of her team are going to cover that content uh, in, in our spoken content. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Great. Thank you. Anybody else on the commission? Commissioner Rexrode? Thanks, Commissioner Rexrode. I had a conversation with uh, Dorothy Barnett from um, the Climate Group uh, discussing the letter that uh, she had sent in. Nothing outside of that letter was discussed, so everything's in the package for the rest of the commissioners. Thank you, Commissioner Rexrode. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Any other commissioners? Okay, not seeing any. Um, do any commissioners need to uh, declare abstentions from any of the specific agenda items tonight? Okay, good. Um, okay, now is the time then that we allow some general public comment. So like I mentioned earlier, uh, if there is anyone in the room there on this call that wants to uh, um, offer comment on anything that we're not gonna be taking up tonight, um, Now's the time, uh, you have three minutes per person. Um, so raise your hand on the call here uh, on video or if you're in person there, signify that you wanna talk and you can step to the podium and we'll just wait here. Uh, I'm seeing a couple hands raised on the call. Um, Kyle, is there anybody in the room that looks like they wanna talk? Kyle Kobe with planning. I, I saw one hand. Does anybody have any general public comment for items that are not on their regular agenda? Um, well, mine's not about solar, if that's what you mean. It's about uh, post of office and bylaws and things like that. Would that be the time to speak to that? I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't catch the first oh, part. It was, yeah. Yes, okay. okay. So I guess, yeah, that. We, we have one in-person public comments and okay. two on okay. Zoom. Does that mean I can still comment on the solar stuff? Of course, yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> Thanks, guys, okay. And Luke Sinclair, Chair, ma'am, if you wouldn't mind stating your name and address for the record. Yep, absolutely. So um, my name is Carrie Brandon. 450 East 2300 Road. And um, quickly, what I wanted to just bring you guys up to speed on in Douglas County is we had um, kind of an impromptu uh, meeting with Johnson County last night. Their legal counsel um, spun up a meeting to talk about oaths of office and bylaws. And um, that was a direct result of we have a task force member her name is Joyce Whittier she's really a legal whiz she's a ex-federal judge um, paralegal and so she's very knowledgeable and she she's been really 
very helpful with regards to Kansas state statutes. Long story short, um, Johnson County Planning Commission, although the Kansas state statute does say that you need to, to sign an oath of office um, when you become a planning commission board member, that did not happen. It hasn't happened for some time. So that was one issue that was a problem. Um, and the second issue that was um, a problem was the bylaws on the Johnson County side had not been even looked at or updated since the 1980s. So there were some things that needed to be um, or are currently being looked at and revised by the planning commissioners. So what I want to ask, and I want to ask it very respectfully, and I do not want to in any way, shape or form um, make anyone defensive, but because of the things that have transpired on the Johnson County side, we feel that it would be prudent to also make sure that we look into how things are on the Douglas County side. So with that being said, I did send an email to the deputy um, clerk, uh, Doug Douglas County slash Lawrence, Kansas. Her name is Eliza, I believe. And I'm sorry, I can't remember her last name uh, about oaths of office. And she said that there were no oaths of office for planning commission board members um, on the Douglas County side either that she could find. And so I'm not sure who would be the person that we could look to, to look into that a little bit more and make sure that the Douglas County side is also adhering to Kansas state statute where, you know, they need to be so that there um, are no issues with that. And then the other thing, and how am I in time? I don't see my counter. Oh, right there. Thank you. Um, the other thing is, um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, it would be the Kansas statute 12-744. This one, and this is what Karen and I kind of talked about a little bit today. It, Douglas County is kind of different because it's like a slash joint city county um, governing entity, right? It's not, um, it's like combining the city of Lawrence with the Douglas County. The planning commission operates that way. One of the things that is a concern to us, and it does pertain to the statute 12-744, is um, a majority of the members of a county planning commission shall reside outside the corporate limits of any incorporated city in the county. And so in talking with Karen, she kind of explained to me that you all are considered a city slash county um, planning commission. But I, we still have questions about that because the second part of the statute, the last sentence in the paragraph says, a county metropolitan or regional planning commission may serve as the planning commission for a city. But in this case, it sort of feels like the city is serving as a planning commission for the county or at least our unincorporated territories that are in the southeast to mid-east section of Douglas County. So clarification on that, if, if someone could advise and point me in the right direction as to who could help with that, that is what I'm after with that comment. Does that make sense? And um, it's just for clarification to make sure that we are, you know, because it feels like there, there's a lot of representation from the city of Lawrence with planning commission board members. You guys are doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be critical, but we do want to be sure that we're following Kansas state statute. And the majority means, um, you know, right now seven members live in Lawrence and three are outside of Lawrence. So that would be a majority in one city incorporated area, which according to the statute is not supposed to be the way it is. And this being an unincorporated kind of issue with 
I know I'm not supposed to talk about utility scale solar. That's where the concern kind of comes in. So that's what I'm looking for is a person, a contact. So thank you, Ms. Brandon, Luke Sinclair chair. Uh, I don't know, Jeff, is there a way to get Ms. Brandon in contact with, uh, with someone on that? I don't know if it'd be someone from representing the County or from the, um, city legal department. Or if there's anybody on the call, I guess, Randy, you're on the call if, if anybody wants to uh, address it now. Yeah, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, Ms. Brandon can contact our office. I saw some emails come through earlier today about this a little bit. That's the first I knew about it. Uh, but we can talk about that later whenever she gets up. But she can contact the City Attorney's office. Luke Sinclair Chair. Randy, are, are you able to provide maybe the, the phone number right now that she'd be able to write down or an email address she could? Yes, my phone, my direct line is 785-832. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I use it so often. Um, <laughs> let, let me get that for you. Hold on. Uh, Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services Director. Uh, it's uh, eight three two three four seven six. That's it. <laughs> Very good. Luke Sinclair Chair. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Jeff. Um, okay, uh, I I know there was uh, there were a couple hands I saw on the Zoom call, but they've since gone down. If you have comments about anything other than what we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, which is the rezoning on Clinton Parkway and then the Solar Text Amendment, now's your chance. Uh, raise your hand or approach the podium. Kyle Kobe with planning. I don't see anybody approaching the podium uh, in the room here, and I'm not seeing any more hands going up via Zoom. Okay, Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you. Uh, we'll go ahead and close public comment, general public comment then at this time, and move on to our regular agenda items. Um, the first of which is to uh, consider approving a request to rezone Z2100416 approximately 2.83 acres from RM24 district to RM32 district located at 2125 Clinton Parkway. Um, and I believe we have Sandy Day from planning to uh, present the staff report. Good evening, Commissioner Sandy Day Planning Office. I don't PowerPoint presentation for you and I will ask you follow along with in the staff report for graphics and tables if you have specific questions about this proposed request. But briefly, the rezoning is to is proposed to allow for the development of property by intensifying the density. The property is currently zoned RM24, which is a high density residential district. And the proposed zoning RM32 is also a high density residential district. Property is surrounded um, by a variety of zoning districts. University zoning is located to the north on the north side of Clinton Park Parkway. RM24 zoning is located to the west, which is developed with religious institution use. 
neighborhood commercial zoning is located to the south and west, and that includes retail sales uses, transient accommodations or a hotel and restaurant uses. Property is currently developed with 58 units, residential units. The property can be improved up to a maximum of nine additional units under the current zoning. The proposed request would allow up to 90 total units uh, to be added to that existing development. Current use is for senior housing. The applicant, Lawrence Housing Authority, proposes to expand the existing services by adding units if the proposed zoning um, can be increased through the, the base density requirements of that district. This request is required to intensify to the development as an infill project and policies related to intensification of density within the existing urban area are key components of plan 2040 outlined in your staff report. Property is not part of any defined neighborhood, but it is included in the plan that was prepared for the 25th in Iowa area as part of the SMART code that supports high density residential development. The land use map prepared in the SMART code is included in your staff report on page six that shows what those walkable uh, quarter mile areas look like. Review of the existing um, and proposed density really shows just a marginal impact um, considered across that larger area. And we looked at the area being from Iowa over to Crossgate, Clinton Parkway down to about 27th Street as a proxy for neighborhood boundary. The proposed RM24 and RM32 or high density residential zoning districts, as I mentioned, and really only vary by the number of dwelling units that's allowed in either district. Both require appropriate transportation access, and this property is immediately adjacent to Clinton Parkway. In addition, the property is developed with an existing senior housing, so those support services are already in place. There's no anticipated uh, detrimental impacts that would result from approving the, the change in zoning and would it would allow for the additional housing in the area and the community where those established services are located. Staff does recommend approval of the rezoning. There are no conditions associated with this zoning. If the request is approved, the applicant would, would come forward with a site plan in the future and site plan would be administratively reviewed, but would also require notice to property owners as part of that process. Now the applicant is on the line and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have about this proposed change. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, who do we have on the line for the applicant? Uh, Will Johnson, Associate Product Designer with Hernley Associates and formal applicant on behalf of uh, the Gus County Housing Authority. Um, <clears throat> Sandy, thanks for your work on this. Um, I think that more or less covered uh, the, the major bits here. Um, the only other thing that I do want to mention, uh, just as, as an as a action of goodwill, uh, we did reach out to um, the, uh, the church uh, to the west there um, and, and just kind of brief them on it. Um, I don't believe we any representative from the churches here, uh, and I didn't anticipate them being here either. Uh, they, uh, as I said, I, we briefed them on the project, um, and for all intents and purposes, they did endorse the project and, and did not uh, express any uh, sort of uh, griev grievances or um, concerns regarding the project. Um, 
Shannon Aury um, is also on the call here um, and is the representative of the Douglas County Housing Authority. Uh, and I believe Stan currently as well as in, uh, is, is present physically. Um, so if they have anything to add, I would turn it over to them. I, I don't know if uh, the chair should call on me or... Oh, well, <laughs> sorry. No, you, Luke Sinclair Chair, you can go ahead, Ms. Aury. Okay. Uh, Shannon Aury, Executive Director of the Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority. The only thing that I'd like to add is that, um, you know, this is a project that uh, will enable us to increase affordable housing. Uh, one of the issues that uh, the city um, and the housing of already find in trying to develop affordable housing is the cost of land. Uh, this uses land that we already own to increase um, the property. We have management on site, we have maintenance on site. So all the services that a property uh, of this type will require are on site. The housing authority serves at least 75% of individuals who are considered by HUD to be extremely low income. And that's uh, individuals who make 30% of area median income, and just as a rough estimate for a single household, uh, that'd be about $17,000 a year. It's very difficult to live um, in Lawrence, Kansas, if that is your income. And uh, we serve many, this property will serve exclusively seniors, but many of our seniors are also disabled and uh, we intend to develop it such that we can also meet that need. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much, Luke Sinclair Chair. And I think uh, Mr. Johnson indicated there was maybe someone else uh, that may be in person, Stan, and I can't remember the last name. If, if you have anything else to add, you're welcome to, sir. Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Uh, no no in-person comment at this time. Okay. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, we then, uh, at this point, will entertain public comment. If anybody is in the, in the room or on the call, um, please approach the podium or raise your hand, um, and you'll have three minutes to offer comment on this uh, application. This is not. <laughs> so no, no comment on a rezoning application, right? Okay. Okay, with planning, I don't think we have any in-person comment on it. But <laughs> okay, thanks, Luke Sinclair Chair. Then we'll bring it back to the commission. Um, are there any commissioners that have questions for staff or the applicant, or any anything they want to talk about on this particular? Request to rezone. Commissioner Rexroad. I thanks, Commissioner Rexroad. <clears throat> um, I think the questions for the applicant. First one is um, uh, if you receive the rezoning request um, and you're able to drive greater density there, do you anticipate any problems? It's a, I'm looking at the the, the overview drawing of this and you anticipate any problems with parking how will you handle the increased density there that and then what looks like an already full parking lot if you add more density to that 
uh, Will Johnson, uh, Hernley Associates product designer. Um, so as you can see there um, on the on the site plan, um, we are proposing adding additional parking um, in that southwest corner. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, this doesn't uh, um, you know incur a, a heavy flow of traffic. It is accessed via. Um, a, a, a frontage road, so it's not directly off of Clinton Park or anything like that. Um, but we are we are um, proposing to to add those those twenty five is that right uh, spaces in that southwest corner there. All right, very good. Thank you, Commissioner Rickshaw. A question, I think, for Sandra Day. Sandra, um, do I understand correctly? Uh, I'm a little confused because I see drawings and, and references to new project, but I think this is really only as a rezoning request. But then there's this is in anticipation of, of a project that might be brought forward later, or is there a, an actual project behind this? Sandy Day, planning. Um, part of the zoning application is usually request for the applicant to provide some kind of conceptual um, plan for the development of the property. So the applicant has prepared that um, in anticipation of an application that they would submit. We do not have a site plan that has been submitted at this time. Wouldn't be able to really process it because it would exceed what the zoning would allow. Um, but the applicant I think has done enough work that they are sharing it with you. So you have a concept of what it is that they're looking at. We are not asking you to weigh in on the site plan itself or any of the design concepts. Staff has not reviewed um, that material um, in terms of its compliance with the existing land development code. It is really provided more for reference. So silly questions like do you have enough parking probably are out of scope for tonight. Tonight, it is. It's a, it's a valid question. Um, there. As far as development goes, when you're looking at increase in density, those are all components that we will uh, review quite closely with a formal application submittal for the site plan. Gotcha. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Commissioner Rexford, nothing you bring up could be out of scope. Uh, Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commission. Of course, I have several questions, but I'll start with one for Sandy, and that is, um, I know this is the rezoning only, but is this expected to be a smart code application? This would be only our second ever, so I thought I would uh, ask, and I know that that also influences how much parking is required. It's kind of a, that new urban um, design. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, this is a request for zoning within the land development code, not the smart code. But one of the questions that, that is as part of the application, part of the staff report is any area plans. Um, so I did use that particular uh, plan, if you will, really as um, a reference to development patterns in that area. So I think there's some broad support for some increase in density, um, but this is by no means intended to be um, a rezone to the smart code itself. If if you were to see that, you would see something like uh, like a, a T5 zone, and this is not, this is conventional zoning we are looking at. And Willie, Planning Commissioner, thank you for that. I. Uh, 
noticed the language about the smart code there and not a full smart code application. So I was curious about that and I appreciate, appreciate you updating us on that. Um, I'll ask another question and I'll see if anybody else wants some. Um, this property likely does not have two emergency access, emergency vehicle access points. Is that required for this kind of density? Uh, Sandy, that's probably a question for you. Sandy Day Planning Office, that'll be a piece that we look at. Um, typically, it is on the order of uh, 30 or 50 units. I don't, I don't remember exactly what that is. But part of that access requirement also deals with the type of construction. So when we were talking about multi-dwelling units, because those are probably going to be required to be sprinkled, that may address some of the access. Um, we haven't gotten into that discussion yet with fire prevention staff, and that is possibly something that could come up. I don't know if the architecture firm has looked at that preliminarily. We have not, um, but that is, that moves into that site plan component question and, and access, building safety, public safety, those are all components we'll be looking at. Um, with a more detailed application. Mr. Chair, Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Um, Stan Hernley is in the room and would like to provide comment to that. Uh, good evening, Commissioner Stan Hernley, Hernley Associates. Um, we took a quick look at uh, access when we were uh, putting together the concept plan. And with fire sprinkling, we would be um, in our preliminary investigation, not required to have two access points. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you, Mr. Hernley. Uh, Commissioner Willie, does that address your question satisfactorily? Chairman Willie, Planning Commissioner, yes, it does. Thank you. Very good, Luke Sinclair Chair. Other questions or comments from the Commission? <laughs> Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Sorry, I didn't see anyone else. Um, it, was this planning to be, this is a single lot that is, you know, currently has the housing on it and it'll be one lot that is rezoned and then the additional um, construction will be on the same lot or is there a lot split that will likely come with this? Uh, this question for Sandy. Sandy Day, Planning Office. At this point, it is a platted lot and they would be, with this development, be able to, um, add an additional structure to that lot. It, to my knowledge, there is no proposed lot split coming forward with this application. Luke Sinclair, Chair, go ahead, Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner, uh, thank you for that. And I guess that is all the questions I had, and I'm wildly in favor of it, of the rezoning. I think it gives us density in a place that is great for density. I've often driven by that green space and kind of wondered if that has a future for us for housing. So I'm excited to see it come forward and I'm very much in favor of it. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you, Commissioner Willie. Commissioner Ashworth. Chair Ashworth Planning Commission, um, just a quick comment. This does uh, sort of illustrate what we're hoping for from Plan 2040 uh, in terms of added density um, and affordable housing. And if nobody has any questions, I'd be willing to offer a motion. Luke Sinclair Chair, I think uh, 
I'm happy to entertain a motion. And if people have additional questions or comments, we could probably still have some time to work those through. Okay, Chair Nashworth Planning Commission. Um, I move the Planning Commission recommend approval of the request to rezone approximately 2.83 acres from RM24 district to RM32 district based on the findings presented in the staff report and forwarding it to the City Commission with a recommendation for approval. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. That's a, a motion to approve it. Um, do we have a second? Uh, Commissioner Carter, I think, got his hand up first, seconded by hand motion. Um, any other comments that any commissioners wish to make or uh, questions they have? Okay, I, I'm assuming, or Commissioner Carter, I see you unmuted. Did you want to say something? No, I'm okay. just ready to vote. Okay. Uh, all right, I, I hardly approve this. I think it's a great project also. Uh, Jeff, could you go ahead and read the roll? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services Director. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes nine to zero. Thank you, Luke Sinclair Chair. And then we'll move on to <clears throat> our second item, which is to consider a text amendment TA2100173 to add standards for commercial utility scale solar energy com uh, conversion systems to the zoning regulations for unincorporated Douglas County. Um, and I believe we have Mary Miller from planning to uh, do the presentation on this one. Yes, thank you. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Mary Mellers, a planner. And I've been having some sound difficulties. Uh, my internet's been a little unstable, so I'm going to turn off my camera and um, let me know somebody interrupt me if there's issues with my sound. I will be sharing my screen. And as you mentioned, this is a text amendment for developing um, standards for solar energy conversion systems in the unincorporated portion of Douglas County. And this item has been before the commission several times since it was initiated by the Board of County Commissioners in May of 2021. Most recently, there was a study session in January at which um, there was no public comment, but the Planning Commission provided questions and comments. And following the study session, um, the committee worked on the revised language. We also provided the draft language to the county counselor for his comments and also to the county engineer for his comments. Um, he had provided comments early in this process and so we just wanted his uh, opinion of how things had been developed. So I'm gonna go through and do an overview of the amendment and that's primarily for people who maybe have not been involved in this as it went forward. I'll try to make this relatively brief. There are three types of solar energy conversion systems addressed in these standards. The first one is an accessory or personal, and these are exempt. They do not require a conditional use permit. They are processed or regulated through the building code. And so if a building permit is required, you would go through that process. The two that do require conditional use permits are the limited scale 
This was formerly called small scale. It was going to be five acres. That's been increased up to 20 acres. And these are exempt from some of the standards. And then we had the utility of commercial scale, which is between 20 and 1,000 acres. And all of the standards apply to that. There are three basic components of the draft language. We start out with kind of a section that discusses the intent and purpose of the regulations. And this is very helpful when we're reviewing an application. We can look at the standards and we can go back and look at what were they intended to accomplish. And that helps us see how they should apply. And so in that um, section, there is a portion where we say, you know, what are we intending to look at with the review of the application? And we'll look at the potential impacts and how we can minimize we review the company, the operator, experience, reputation, financial ability, you know, to ensure they're qualified and capable. Uh, we want to ensure there's an adequate decommissioning and reclamation, and that there's an adequate bond to ensure that the decommissioning and reclamation occurs, uh, that there's adequate emergency services. And then we also look at the degree to which agricultural uses and wildlife habitat are accommodated. Uh, the second part of the draft language are the standards, and we have established standards for various components. Most of those are listed here. Uh, for instance, we have the maximum area, and as I mentioned, there's 20 acres for limited and 1,000 acres for commercial utility scale. Uh, there's limits on the amount of grading that is possible. Uh, only 5% of the total site area may be graded. And then there's a maximum height. Solar panels cannot be taller than 15 feet tall. These are all eligible for modifications from the so if uh, there was a modification to exceed, that would be provided application. It'd be staff, planning commission, consider it, make a recommendation, and then it would be the county commission would ultimately decide if the modification would be approved. Uh, another standard is that the uh, the location be designed or selected so that it accommodates the future growth of the unincorporated cities or the incorporated cities in the county, Lecompton, Baldwin City, and Eudora. So we would work with them if there were any facilities proposed near them uh, to minimize the impact on environmentally sensitive lands, to uh, minimize glare. And then we look at the type of vegetation. There's been a lot of talk about the erosion potential. So we want to make sure the land is vegetated and um, there's a lot of Standards regarding you know, using native grasses or grasses for grazing, uh, pollinator plants, uh, agricultural row crops, whatever. And so that's uh, the standards are listed there under the vegetation. Preservation of topsoil, the setbacks are listed. And basically the setbacks are the setbacks in that zoning district. Also, there's a 500 foot setback existing residents. And then fencing, and you may recall we discussed fencing at quite a lot of lengths in our various uh, meetings. And wildlife friendly fencing around the perimeter should be used you know, whenever possible. And uh, security fencing is required where there's uh, the high electricity components, you know, the um, substations or the battery storage. Wildlife corridors are required. A 25 foot buffer area is required. And I should mention that setbacks and buffer areas, it's possible for the uh, adjacent property owner to sign a waiver from those. And uh, so those can be reduced um, if the property owner is the property owner is willing. Um, standards for battery, standards for sign, lighting, noise, trying to minimize the impact on adjacent properties, uh, requirements for ongoing maintenance. Groundwater testing is required prior to the installation or the um, beginning of the operation facility. And the, um, what they test for 
be decided on a case-by-case basis with each application. It'll based on the actual chemicals which are used in the proposed panels. And also a pesticide panel will be required. And then the modifications, as I mentioned, there are some modifications that are possible from the Board of County Commissioners. And that section kind of explains, it lists the ones that are possible and explains the, um, the reasons that would be seen as suitable for a modification. Uh, the method for transfer of operator and then allowing third party reviews, particularly for the larger projects. And the third part of the draft language uh, is, pertains to the plans and other materials that are required. On the left column, we have the plans. And these may each be a separate plan or they could be a plan sheet in a large plan, depending upon the size and the complexity of the project. We wanna see an existing conditions plan, the proposed conditions plan, the grading plan, stormwater management, operation maintenance, traffic road maintenance, landscaping and landscaping is only required in those buffer areas between the facility and existing residences and so that would have some specific landscaping based on the unique situation and based on the characteristics with each application a vegetation maintenance plan or agrivoltaic plan and so whatever type of vegetation is being proposed, we want a maintenance plan to show how that's gonna be maintained for at least three years until it's well established so that we can ensure we have um, vegetation to reduce erosion and also to help maintain soil health or even improve soil health during the life of the facility. The emergency fire and safety plan, and that will be provided to our emergency services and um, following this, and that way they'll also have training, they'll have the plan, and that way they'll be ready to um, tackle any emergency that might occur. There is a soil sampling plan. Soil sampling is required at various times before the facility begins, um, prior to decommissioning, and then with any um, spills. And there is a set process for doing these soil samples. And then of course, the decommissioning and reclamation plan. Other materials that are required, uh, we have an additional public notice. This is a, we require this also for cell towers and the wind farms. And it's the same type of a public notice that we have people send out for site plans. And that way they notify the public when they submit the application. With most projects, we notify the public 20 days before the planning commission meeting. And with large projects, that's usually not enough time for people in the neighborhood to be able to uh, consider the project and have any input. And so they're required to notify the public when they submit the application. There's also a requirement that they provide us with information on the public outreach. We expect them to reach out to the neighboring public, um, provide them information, hopefully gather input, so that perhaps they can mitigate some concerns even before they submit the application. Liability insurance is required. And you'll notice in the draft language that was revised. That's been altered so that it's the same liability insurance requirement that the county has for their other projects. And then we have manufacturer specifications, installation methods, construction impacts. Um, these are analyzed so that we can mitigate any impacts. Um, a lot of times with construction, there's vibration or there's noise. And if this is near other land uses, such as residential or um, agriculture or churches, schools, uh, we'd want to have mitigating that and often done with uh, reduced towers or maybe all methods of construction. The equipment specifications and um, interconnection agreement, uh, the stormwater pollution prevention plan, 
Um, KTHE has to approve that. We just want a copy of it, the glare analysis, and then the performance bond. So those materials are all required with the application to allow us a full review. So at the study session, there were several questions raised by the planning commission, and some of these were resolved in the revised language. You can see there were changes made. And I just wanted to mention those that are on the screen here. One question was on the transfer operator. And with our earlier language, we had proposed that the CUP go back to the planning commission and then go to the county commission for consideration of the new operator. And the planning commission had suggested that it just be a whole new CUP whenever the operator changes. And that caused us to rethink this standard because the CUP actually goes with the land. It does not go with the person. And so, uh, the proposal now is that the transfer of operator would need to be approved by the county commission. That way they can evaluate it, ensure that they're capable, that they have the reputation and the experience and the financial ability to operate the facility and to handle the reclamation. And that decision would be made at that level rather than requiring the CUP to be renewed. Um, the commission asked if we could require that uh, the operator provide us with copies of the leases and the county counselor said that he could write that in, but he would like to know what the reasoning would be. And um, he noted that we do require owner authorization forms. So every property owner will need to sign an owner authorization form, which says they give their permission for this to be done on their property. And so we'll have those in the file. If there's another reason to have leases, he could write it if that was decision to do that. Um, the question was raised, should we make the property owners responsible for reclamation or decommissioning costs if the performance bond is found not to be enough? And, and again, he said he thought he could write that. He didn't know if, if that was a, something that we should do. He wasn't looking into that. He was just looking to whether legally he would be able to write that language. And he said, if that's the way we decided to go, we could. We don't do that for other projects. We don't require property owners to take on the cost of reclamation for quarries, for instance if the bond is not enough, but it's something that you could consider. The question was raised, should we require compensation for reduced property values? And the county counselor advised against that. He said that it would probably open up a lot of litigation because when property values fluctuate, it's difficult to point to one cause. It could be the economy. It could be maintenance. Um, it could be other activities happening in the area. And so he thought this would result in a lot of litigation. He didn't know where the county would want to be in that litigation. And the question was raised, do we consider housing density? And we certainly do with every conditional use permit. You'll notice we always have a question, what is the character of the area and is it compatible with the character? And uh, many times we have maps or there's little dots showing where every residence is. And this is particularly helpful when we have high intensity activities such as quarries or event centers, you know, like what the impact would be. A solar facility is relatively low impact. It's low noise, low traffic. Uh, but we would still consider housing density and probably more than housing density, the housing proximity, you know, how close houses are, you know, that may require more buffering. And, um, but that is certainly considered, it's considered as part of the overall conditional use permit. And then there's a question, could we set requirements for where they obtain their panels? And the county councilor said that would be outside of the scope of the conditional use permit since we're primarily looking at land use. And so he recommended we not set a standard for that. There were some public comments in your packet, and I. Um, this is just a summary of uh, the comments I saw. Uh, there were comments on the acreage cap. Uh, one felt that the 1,000 acre cap was too limiting and that it might uh, prohibit projects. 
the other one recommended a smaller cap of 500 acres. There was one comment about the agrivoltaic language. I believe this comment may have been referring to the previous version, and that has been revised to where we are encouraging agrivoltaics, but there is no requirement. And especially as that um, communication noted, right now we don't have a lot of uh, agrivoltaic activities. We don't have a lot of sheep farmers. We don't have a lot of farmers that have experience with farming under solar panels. So we wouldn't be able to require it, but it is being encouraged. Uh, there was a comment that the 25-year time frame might not be long enough. The panels may not be um, used, I'm sorry, used up by that time. Uh, but the 25-year time frame does not mean that the facility ends in 25 years. It just means that the CUP ends and it can they can apply for a new CUP and then it can be reevaluated. So if there were concerns or if there had been issues, if it's no longer as appropriate, that could be addressed at that time. Otherwise, the um, CUP approved for another time frame, whichever one the planning commission would select or the county commission. Uh, the limitation on grading, uh, there was a comment on that. We do limit that to 5% of the site area. That's what's being recommended. And the site area is the area under the panels. So it's not the CUP area, just where panels are located. The prohibition on grading, there was a concern we uh, should class one and two panels. And this was a change the committee made um, consciously because we look at prime farmland and prime farmland includes class one and two and three soils. And so limiting the grading to 5% of the site area, uh, it was felt that that was enough to, to protect the class one and two soils and the overall prime farmland. Uh, there was a question, one comment was, could we have requirements for how panels are disposed? Um, to a degree we may, but that would be something we determine with each CUP application. And the purpose for that is technology is constantly changing. There may be different ways of disposing of panels. Um, sometimes they're reused, sometimes they're recycled. And uh, we could certainly have some prohibition, you know, like you cannot bury panels or they couldn't be put into a landfill in Douglas County. But that would be something we would look at with each application. And then there was one um, communication that provided a comparison of solar and conventional electrical production. And so that is just an overview of the amendment. The draft language was in your packet along with just the memo outlining the changes. And so this is coming to you today with a recommendation for approval and forwarding it on to the county commission uh, with a recommendation for approval. And if you have any changes you want to see, um, we would ask that you would provide staff with direction for that before it gets placed on the county commission agenda. And if you felt uh, necessary, you return to you again if you see it one more time if it goes to the agenda. Don't have an applicant. This was initiated by the county commission, and so that concludes my presentation. Thank you very much, Mary Luke Sinclair, Chair. Um, since there is no applicant, we'll uh, open up public comment. Uh, I guess before we do that, though, Commissioner Carpenter, go ahead. Thank you, Chair Sinclair, Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. Um, I guess Chair of the Ad Hoc Committee. Uh, I think it'd be helpful just to mention a few things. I'd like to go over a couple of topics and open it up for the other members of the ad hoc committee to actually to make comments before we get to the public comment. And then that might give everybody a better context um, for other commissioners to ask us questions or ask Mary questions or anyone else questions um, after the public comment. First, I just want to 
I, I just want to say a big thank you to the other members of the ad hoc committee, uh, Vice Chair Ashworth, uh, Commissioner Rexroad, and Commissioner Willie. We put in an incredible amount of time over the last months. We have listened to many, many, many people, read lots of documents, chased down all kinds of information for us to discuss. And so I, I just want to say how much I appreciate how the work that put into this with what Commissioner Rexro described to me seemed to be us going in circles at times. Um, but I like to think that we never actually came back to the same point. So we were more in a spiral in a direction. And uh, because this was such a comprehensive topic, it took a while for us to be completely immersed in all the different concerns and um, types of information we had to consider. And each time we made a suggested change, we had to go back and look and see how that impacted other things in, in the regulations. So we did go around and around and around, but we've come up with this proposal to the rest of the commission tonight, which I think we're pretty happy with. And in the way that it addresses um, all the various community and uh, industry and county interests. I, I just want to point out a little bit about what the scope here was. Uh, we have as a permitted, as a use permitted by conditional use permit in both Ag 1 and Ag 2, uh, county zoning, uh, CUP for major utilities. Uh, staff determined that the scope of these requests or inquiries that were coming in from the industry met that definition of a major utility. However, we had no specific rules under which to accept a conditional use permit. I would point out that large-scale solar is not covered by the Kansas Corporation Commission, and discussions between county staff and the Kansas Corporation Commission, uh, what came back to us is their Kansas Corporation Commission is not interested in getting involved in this type of regulation. So unlike any other kind of large-scale industrial, most of the onus is on the county to come up with the rules and regulations. These, the text amendment before you tonight is only the outline of what is to be in the application for a conditional use permit. It, it does not reflect any specific uh, project that we may know about or projects we don't know about. Um, it also doesn't reflect the concerns of any specific landowners or part of the county. These regulations are meant to apply to the entire county, to all the rural areas, and to any applicant for a conditional use permit for large-scale solar. Minor tinkering comes with the conditional use permit when staff works with an applicant and listens to the public and suggests additional um, conditions on the conditional use permit, which can also be increased when it comes to the planning commission for final recommendation to the county commission. So what we've tried to do here is create a framework with some built-in flexibility as one of the letters that came to us, I believe from the personnel law firm on behalf of Nextera for what they described as a nuanced amendment. 
there's a lot of a lot of sliding scales and variations possible in here. Some with the agreement of non-participating landowners. Uh, some variations in height of panels to try to accommodate um, following the lay of the land, which is how we came back to our grading of restrictions and so forth. But we'll go through all that later. But I, I just wanted to just say, we, this is just the first step. These are the rules under which we accept applications. This is not about any particular application. And uh, hard work comes, believe it or not, the hard work comes when there is an application. I'd also like to just take a couple of minutes and go through and thank all the people that have provided us information. I can't name every individual, so I'm going to kind of group them together. These are groups and individuals that have or actually met with the subcommittee in one of our uh, meetings, or we've gone out to their meetings. So I'm just saying representatives of the industry. We talked to um, and people from the engineering firms of Black and Veatch, Burns and McDonald. We have had meetings with many representatives from Nextera, uh, Clean Energy, Evergy, uh, Postinelli Law Firm with Nextera, Savion of Kansas City, and yeah, so we, we've heard we've heard a lot of what they had to say, and I have to say, I think both of those meetings uh, comments that came back to us as we were asking questions that they'd not been asked before, and I think that's kind of reflects well on the other members of the subcommittee and our planning staff. With the county, this has been reviewed and we've had meetings with Douglas County Sustainability Advisory Board. We actually had a joint meeting with them. Uh, Douglas County Food Policy Council, the Lawrence Douglas County Sustainability Office, all the fire chiefs in Douglas County, uh, Douglas County Emergency Management, Douglas County Public Works, Douglas County Zoning and Codes, uh, the Lawrence and <clears throat> Johnson County Planning Commission has um, allowed us to observe and actually participate in a meeting or two of theirs. We have had a meeting that included Douglas County Planning Staff, Johnson County Planning Staff, and Sedgwick County Planning Staff to talk about some issues. We've heard from the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce. We've had some input from um, County Commissioner Shannon Reed in what she'd been hearing from constituents and we've had a review of this document by County Legal. From environmental side, we've heard from the Great Plains Institute, the Nature Conservancy, Ward Labs, which has uh, provided input about the soil and water testing, uh, City Commissioner Lisa Larson in her role as an environmental geologist, also about testing uh, procedures. Uh, the K-State Extension Wildlife Biologist, uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, uh, the Solar Grazing Association, Central Grazing Company, Clean Energy Business Council, Climate and Energy Project, Kansas Sierra Club, Kansas Rural Center, uh, Lettuce, which is the Lawrence Ecology Team United in Sustainability, which is a church group that's involved, 
um, First Presbyterian Earth Care Forum, Friends of the Caw, uh, Sustainability Action Committee, Santa Fe Trail Association, and the Kansas Audubon Society. And lastly, I want to just extend a great thank you to all the community members uh, through Citizens for Responsible Sol Solar. You heard Carrie Brandon. I helped lead that group. Um, the people at Enright Gardens, Whitetail Run Winery, and others. Now, they have put in countless hours in providing us information and comments, um, including several hundred petitions from people in both Douglas and Johnson County expressing concerns. I think we've been through those and I think we've addressed most of those and what's before the commission tonight. So with that, I'm gonna stop and see if uh, Vice Chair Ashworth or Commissioner Rexford or Willie have anything they'd add to add before we go to public comment. Go ahead, Commissioner Rexford. Thanks. This is Commissioner Rexroad. Um, start uh, plus one on the last comment that Commissioner Carpenter had made about uh, how much um, I appreciate, how much we appreciate um, the many, many hours um, that uh, people in the industry, um, in our community, um, from all around have spent on this. Um, hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of information, hours and hours of content, makes this one of the most well-heard subjects um, that I've certainly been a part of. Uh, just wanna share that, you know, that from my perspective, we've, we've had this enormous responsibility uh, to find a way to marry um, some of um, arguably America's finest farm ground um, with uh, critical need in renewable energy, but it's also a heavy industrial use. So bringing this heavy industrial use together with this farm ground and do it in a way that doesn't destroy either. Um, I'm very pleased with the outcome of this. And, and I just want to share that just from our perspective, we didn't seek compromise through this. Rather, what we sought was the right way to support both the need as well as the values that we hold as a community. Um, I believe that what we've provided in this is a framework um, in these regulations that allow a project, gosh, of almost any size to come forward, but to do it in a way that gives um, both the Planning Commission and the County Commission a framework, the guidelines, the, the, the necessary means to really evaluate that relative to what our community's assets can support and um, what our values ask from us. So I just want to thank uh, Commissioner Carpenter, um, Willie, and, and Ashworth for the time that they've all spent in this and look forward to the feedback tonight. Thank you, Commissioner Rexroad. Uh, Commissioner Ashworth. Ashworth Planning Commission, I, I won't belabor the points that made anymore. Thank you very much um, for making those points. I agree with all of it. It was uh, a, a great endeavor to be a part of, to really understand the sausage making, as it's called, and how that all works. And uh, we learned a great deal, um, not only about our community, um, but also about um, this new this new type of use, land use. So um, I just say, I'll just say ditto for now for the comments that have been made. Thank you all. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. Commissioner Willie. 
Really, Planning Commissioner. Um, thank you again to everybody, and especially to staff and community and industry when we helped us for answering questions and, and helped our learning curve, which was very steep. We came a long way. Um, as far as the public process goes, I'm really proud of this. This is the only thing I like this that I've been involved with. This was more um, intense than Plan 2040. We put more months into it. We had more uh, public input and more meetings than we did even with that. And that was you know, fairly intense too. Um, we first saw this in June. We saw it again in August. Most text amendments, even big text amendments, don't get more than two hearings at the Planning Commission. This very well could have been adopted at our August meeting. There was a lot of interest in doing that at the August meeting. Um, we decided it needed a deeper dive and we have learned a tremendous deal. So you, you will probably hear tonight from people who say they didn't have enough time to engage, didn't have time to look over our work. Um, and I would you know, go back to that uh, extra six months that we've given this from the August time when we could have adopted it until now it's been you know fully public, fully available. Um, we've had you know member volunteer members uh, that have put in you know countless hours from the community just to read and understand. So um, just for the commission to keep in mind when we you know if we do indeed hear that we did see some in the packet um, that we don't want to dishonor the people that did put in those hours when they were reached out to. Um, not everybody did take the chance to weigh in and um, and here we are, but I, I feel very much that we have heard um, all perspectives that we've um, started to hear some of you know, the same information over. So I, I think we have, um, we're likely not to hear, at least for the ad hoc committee, a whole lot of new content tonight. So just know that that in, in most of the things we will hear, we have considered and, and um, in, intentionally dealt with the best we could in county regulations. We've put in what we feel are the necessary protections for Douglas County land, Douglas County rural space, Douglas County soils, um, and yet left the flexibility for industry as uh, as potentially good neighbors, as potential um, you know good players in this field. We have not uh, demonized industry. We have left room, even though we've put some kind of boundaries on um, on the for the protections we need, we've also left room and flexibility for creativity, um, for you know to bring some of the the, the values that we care to have. Um, these are different regulations than most places have seen before. Maybe any place. When we've reached out to like Great Plains Institute and the Nature Conservancy. Um, in organizations that care deeply about green energy production, large scale green energy production, and also environmental protection. They had a lot of these values in their statements and their public statements, but they did not know how to advise us to encode them into regulations. And I think we've come across something that is pretty tight. Uh, we have no requirements whatsoever for agrivoltaics, uh, but we've left a lot of room to say we, we care about that, we want that, and we're willing to give flexibility on other things that um, uh, an item, uh, an applicant might want. So I think we've left the door wide open for some really creative and um, you know, just interesting uses of that space. Um, it's still every item that comes forward is going to be uh, difficult just because these are large land uses and there are a lot of uh, opinions and, and thoughts around them. But I think we have given future planning commissions enough of a guideline that they can um, you know, understand the work that we did and then apply their own best thoughts to each item as it comes forward. So I'm very proud of this team and I'm very proud of this work. 
Luke Sinclair Chair, uh, thank you so much each for those wonderful words um, and for speaking up now before going into public comment. Um, I think with that, I think that's a good way to sort of uh, preface the discussion. So I guess we'll, at this point, open up public comment, um, as I tried to do prematurely before. Uh, if there is anybody in the room on this call, the Zoom call, um, please, if you're in the room, go ahead and approach the podium. Um, if you're on the call and you want to make comments, you can raise your hand and we'll sort of sort things out. Um, and call on you as we progress. Um, and just as a reminder, uh, there'll be a three minute limit on public comment. Um, and if I try to interrupt or cut you off, please don't be offended, um, but it's just trying to maintain um, uh, organization and being respectful to the other people that are on the call that wanna make comment as well. Um, so with that, start the video. And when you want to, if you're and if you're not, uh, if you haven't been called on yet, please keep your cameras or uh, muted. Um, Planning and Development Services Director, Mr. Chair, would you like us to um, focus on one um, format first, the in-person or the the Zoom as part of the public comment? Sinclair Chair, I think that's probably a good suggestion. Maybe if we can focus on uh, the people in person first, just to keep things rolling along. Um, and work our way through that and then we'll move to the zoom call and if anybody if there are any anyone in person that uh, decide they want to talk later on i guess we could address that at that time jeff craig playing development services um okay uh, we do have people ready to speak at the podium this evening okay thank you luke sinclair chair and as you uh speak please remember to say your name and your address so we can uh, note that um and then observe the three minute limit go ahead Hello, I'm Barbara Kerr. I live at 583 East 2300 Road, uh, within a quarter mile of one of the proposed uh, projects. I just have three things to say. One is that um, in August, when we first learned about this, it was the very same week that uh, David and Deanna Alvarez were here, uh, and I had begun our plans for uh, agritourism to, we are creating a professional development center that'll be a retreat center, uh, providing a number of different kinds of services, among them equine assisted psychotherapy that's been validated as a really good treatment for first responders and um, and people who've had the kind of trauma that happened during COVID. So we were uh, overwhelmed with sadness when we found out that, oh my gosh, it's probably going to be approved the, you know, in August. Uh, and then when we learned that the ad hoc committee had been formed and kept track of the work of the ad hoc committee, gave comments, became a part of the process of both educating and being educated. As this happened, we came to see um, and understand that we were heard. And I, and I want to make that very clear uh, with great gratitude to the ad hoc committee that the citizens for solar responsibility were heard and that we were heard about the very things we were most concerned about. In fact, you found a few other things that we didn't find and there were 
60 of us working on it. So I'm, I'm really impressed with that work. And again, we felt heard. Uh, second, I wanted to address one of the concerns that I read in uh, a letter that came to you as part of the public comment, uh, a concern that this might discourage uh, future development and future um, solar companies from coming in. And I, I wanted to state my opinion that it, it really does not um, in any way um, discourage responsible solar industry from coming in. That instead, it encourages responsibility. It encourages those companies that are strategic rather than opportunistic. And it encourages those companies that are willing to get to know the community and to engage in a two-way conversation that's open and transparent. So I wanted to address that. And third, uh, there are a few things that I would change. I would love it to be 500 instead of 1,000 acres. I'd like to, there to be greater setbacks. But democracy is about compromise, and I understand uh, that that this is an act of compromise. Uh, Ms. Kerr, thank you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just concluding for in a few moments. Sure. The last thing I want to say is that I know that you've not included in this the cost of inspection and monitoring. Uh, and that will be a big cost, but I do want to note that there will be about 200 volunteer inspectors of any company that comes in and that we, we won't stop here, but we'll continue to maintain the character and the nature, the beauty and the history of our area. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Luke Sinclair, Chair. If you'd like to make a comment in person, please approach the podium. Alan England, 17090, Evening Star Road, Edgerton. And looking at the uh, written comments for this meeting, uh, there were some comments from the industry about the 1,000 acre cap being unrealistic and need to be bigger. So let's look at where that came from. Next era company with an estimated revenue of $21 billion a year who can afford to pay their CEO $23 million a year. The 1,000 acre cap, does not encumber the financial viability, but th they also say it doesn't meet the criteria for mitigation of climate change. Using the off the upper range of an off-sited industry metric of six to eight acres of solar panels per megawatt, a 1,000 acre project could generate 125 megawatts of electricity. Reviewing NextEra's website this afternoon, I found 72 utility scale solar projects in the development construction phase, 72. Out of those 72, 53 are 125 megawatts or less. That's 75%. 25 of the projects are 50 megawatts or less. In our home state of Florida, there are 43 projects that are operational or in the development stage, and not even one of those exceeds 75 megawatts. Using eight megawatts per acre as, as a gauge, that's about 600 acres per project. Their actions, not their words, demonstrate they can build financially viable projects on a scale much smaller than a thousand acres. Sure, they want projects as big as possible. They'll make more money. But except for the solar industry and the few landowners who stand to profit, none of us here are here because we want to maximize corporate profits. We want responsible solar. Solar that fits in with our communities and retains the character of our communities. And we want Douglas County 
to remain a great place for people to live and to raise families. There's no need to increase the maximum project size. If anything, it should be reduced to mitigate the impacts on our communities. I support a maximum of 500 acres recommended by the Sustainability Action Network. That size would support projects similar to in scale to the 43 projects that NextEra has in their home state of Florida. Thank you. Thanks, Sinclair Chair. Thank you, Mr. Anglin. Travis Hardy, 421 East 2400 Road. I just wanna thank the committee, um, like we heard. I mean, they reached out to us and actually listened to us and that that is refreshing in comparison to across the county line. I would like to ask the question though, with all this, how is this benefiting the citizens and the county? Because at the bottom line, that's what it's about. Everything that's done really should be about the county and the citizens there. Are we gonna make money on this? I don't know. I mean, has anyone actually run the numbers, looked at it, took a thousand acres and said, all right, put a thousand acres, get the panels on here. How much will we make due to the tax abatement? That's my question. Maybe a lot, maybe not. But I think that's something that really needs to be looked at because it's all about the county and it's all about the people. It's not about, you know, feel good. We're, do, we're doing our, our duty for, you know, making the environment better. It's really about the people here. And I can tell you, no one here wants this out. Bottom line, you know, we're gonna live out there and we don't want it. Now others in the county, they probably do want it. I mean, 50-50, I don't know, probably not. The bottom line though is, how is this good for us? And I just don't see it. You know, if you go and look at how many panels you would have to lay out there to basically replace one of the coal facilities. It's astronomical, like it's a ton, right? The amount of land it would take to do that is crazy. I mean, it's not realistic. And if we move in the direction of only going with solar and shutting down these coal facilities because they're polluting, we will end up like Texas. I can tell you, my aunt lives in Texas. What she do and her friends, they bought generators because they're afraid what's gonna happen. That will happen here. If we shut down the coal facilities and fully rely on this renewable energy, we're gonna be in trouble. It's reality. I mean, weather isn't great all the time and things will happen. So I'm just asking, really, really think about this before you vote on this. How is it benefiting us right here, right now? And my opinion is, put a bullet in this, kill it. Other places have done this with wind. I know there's concerns about, oh, if we do that, maybe the state's gonna you know, come in and tell us what to do. That hasn't happened yet. Places have done this in Kansas with wind. Probably not gonna happen here. Just asking you, stop this before it's too late. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hardy. Luke Sinclair, chair. Who's next there in person? I guess I'm up. Um, my name is Byron Wiley, 645 Maine. Uh, I wanted to thank the Planning Commission for their care and attention to this uh, matter. It's a very complex topic, as, uh, as you've found out. 
It seems that many speak about the cleanliness of solar PV. It's as if the pesky problems are just invisible. Because of our compounding concerns related to our finite non-renewable resources, the goal, I think, that all of you would agree is to live sustainably on this planet. Yet the term sustainability has been devalued and cloaked, really meaning dependence on non-renewable fossil fuel. I thought that a process is sustainable if it can be sustained without using non-renewable resources. True sustainable living considers the well-being of the planet without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And so where is that precautionary ethic going forward with this? Decades ago, I think that with best intentions, the idea started to be implanted in our minds that future energy needs could be met with renewable energy technology. It sounded great, it sounded sort of magical, but I think what's missing in the conversation is a comprehension about the life cycle of the equipment that we're talking about. We have to look at the long view and to think about the consequences our future generations will face when considering the fixes. Uh, kicking the can down the road, making a quick buck at the expense of our limited resources is doing them a disservice. Solar PV is completely dependent on dense petroleum energy for every step of the process. Mining and its social justice consequences, refining, transportation, manufacturing, and ultimately recycling. None of these processes is clean. It just looks clean when you see it out in the field. But if you look deeply, you'll find something else. Uh, they use volumes of non-renewable energy every step of the way. Uh, and it just perpetuates the unsustainable. And, you know, we talk about when we've heard about the limited lifespan of this equipment, maybe 25 years, maybe 30, and then a lot of energy to recycle it. Um, so, and also, and you've addressed this, but you need to consider the cost of the farmland. It's a, it's a finite resource. So please keep the project small for the, the industrial use. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Wiley. Luke Sinclair, Chair. <clears throat> Anybody in the chambers there that wishes to step up, please do. Don't be bashful. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Sure. Hi, my name is Cindy Fitzgerald. I live at 254 East 2300 Road, Edgerton, Kansas. I spent some time reviewing the um, Douglas County Comprehension Plan, the Horizon 2020. That is an extensive plan. Everything that I've read, and I could just, I know you guys probably know it well, but everything um, in the plan talks about how the rural land in Douglas County needs to be preserved and what you need to do. It talks about limiting residential communities. They need to be sent back closer to the urban area so we can keep the urban or the rural land rural. Um, it says guidelines are needed to protect and maintain the rural character of Douglas County and to ensure adequate facilities and services are provided. Conserve the rural, this is um, goal two, reserve or conserve the rural character of Douglas County. Rural residential development should be clustered residents to minimize impacts on the rural character of Douglas County. 
Um, and it talks about Douglas County protect existing agricultural and natural uses in those areas beyond the UGA, UGA of Lawrence and other incorporated cities. It also, one other thing I thought was important, it says agriculture uses, agricultural uses should continue to be predominant land use within the areas of the county beyond the designated urban growth. Uses permitted in the rural areas should continue to be limited to those which are compatible with agricultural production and uses. Solar, this, the, this, the industrial solar that's headed our way is not agricultural production. And the other question I had, are you gonna rezone this? Cause everything I've read, I'm not gonna, cause I know you guys know the plan well. Are you gonna go in and rezone this ground? Because really this ground needs to be rezoned commercial. And then if you get into your, um, what the guidelines that you have for the comprehension plan in regards to commercial, it's not allowed out there. It's, it's, it's really not. And if you are gonna allow this, are so I wish somebody could answer me, are you gonna rezone it? Or is that the zoning board's um, decision? Because I think that's important. I mean, if, if that makes sense, because really it's no longer agricultural. A solar farm is not agricultural. You're not growing anything. We raise performance solar horses and we farm. That's farming. Solar, industrial solar is not. So I would like that question answered is, are you going to rezone it? Because it really needs to be rezoned. And also you talked about the studies. That's wonderful. You guys have done a lot of work on this, on um, how it's going to impact wildlife, you know, how it's going to impact the ground, how it's going to impact water. Where was the study that you guys um, requested on the emotional and physical impact of the people in the community that are going to live by this? Where is that study? Where do the humans count? How's it going to affect our lives? I haven't heard one thing about that. You're, you need to think about the people. They're not being thought of. The other thing is, if you open this up to commercial, if you allow... Um, which, you know, property owners to enter, to, to use their property to enter into commerce. Why can't I open a hog, a, a hog lot, a feed lot, a junkyard? If, if you're going to allow them to generate commerce on their land, their farmland, which was supposed to be dedicated farmland, then you have to allow me to do anything I want to with my land. We have to go through this whole thing, you know, whatever it is, because I have the right to enter my property into commerce. This is a Pandora's box, which we're all concerned about. So thank, thank you. you. Sorry, thank you. And we will, uh, Ms. Fitzgerald, we will um, make every effort to try to address your questions. And who should I contact to find out if you're going to resell this uh, for commercial or industry? Who, who would be, I need to contact or who could contact me? Uh, Ms. Fitzgerald, maybe after uh, the meeting, you can uh, ask that question, but um, we need to move on to the next public commenter. Do you have an answer after the meeting? Jeff, I don't know. if Are you able to address whatever questions being asked? I can't hear uh, on, on the line here. Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services Director. I think it was, a, it was a question about asking the question after the meeting, I believe. Okay. Is there, is that a question, whatever she asks, is it a question that someone from staff can address or is it something that the commission needs to talk about during our discussion? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services Director. I believe Mary and Tanya may be able to address that during the, during the answering portion of public comment, but I would defer to them, Don, if that's, okay. if I'm accurate there. Okay. Thank you. Luke Sinclair Chair, 
um, let's move on to the next uh, public comment. Who else in the room there um, has comment to offer? Good evening. Uh, thank you, County Commissioners, and thanks to the Planning Commission. Uh, those four have done a lot of work, and we appreciate uh, them. Thanks to Carrie Brandon for all these new fancy shirts that she came up with. So um, uh, my name is Michael Schumann. Uh, Kim and I built a passive solar house uh, 14 years ago at 2337 North 600 Road. So it's a passive solar design, and then we added solar panels uh, about six years ago, both on the ground and on the roof. Uh, this is my 10th year in the solar industry. So I am pro-renewable energy. It's definitely the way of the future. Um, the question is, do, do we and do you want a power plant next to your house? So right now, I, I think the, the text language is 500 feet set back. That's a little bit more than a football field. Um, so you want a power plant that's a little bit more than a football field next to your home with an eight foot fence and a potential to, to affect your property values as well. We've got 300,000 acres in Douglas County why can't we increase the setback? Why can't it be a half mile? What is that, 2640? So, all right, my goal was to be done by two minutes, so I think I'm gonna make it. That's, 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 my, only, that's my only thing, the setback would alleviate any of these other issues that to move with utility scale. The other thing is to really seek out brownfield sites. It's not in our county, but obviously Sunflower Ammunition would be uh, 9,000 acres and it could be the largest scales even in the country. Um, and it's land that's not being used for, for anything else. So. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Mr. Schumann, Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, whoever's next can approach uh, the podium. Kyle Kobe with planning. I'm not seeing anyone getting up to come to the podium. There is one, sorry. Okay. I'm trying to do last minute authoring of some like wickedly awesome closing remarks. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. All right. So everybody's mentioned a lot of the things that I don't want to waste time um, repeating, but I did email and unfortunately I didn't get it in at the 10 o'clock AM mark. Some things I'm going to quickly repeat them. Um, Brownfields first. Use those up first, guys, seriously. <laughs> Why put them around human beings and destroy um, people's, you know, livelihoods, 
it's going to displace farmers when the inventory is pulled out of their the land available to them to grow crops and to graze their cattle. Item two, social our commercial solar energy conversion systems, 500 acres max. Um, that's really preferable. Back to Travis's remark, you know, if we had our druthers, we prefer it be way out in Western Kansas somewhere where one farmer has a whole bunch of acreage and he's ready to retire and it's just in one place and it does not affect 200 plus homes and families that are directly impacted in our particular impact zone. Um, you know, future development and growth of the populated unincorporated areas is a huge, it should be a huge concern for both Johnson County and Douglas County. We are like a sweet spot. I don't know how many of you have taken the time to drive around. I know some planning commission members have come out, but it's an absolutely gorgeous place. And it just breaks our hearts to think that it could be covered um, in acres and acres of utility scale solar. Um, 2,640 feet, which is a half a mile. That's what we would like to see at a minimum for a setback distance from the boundary lines of um, a lot of different things from wildlife refuge to, um, you know, public building properties and especially to non-participating landowners property boundaries. Um, one thing that's concerning to me is, you know, we're talking about two counties. So we got, if we, you know, we, we got some, max solar um, project definitions on one side of the county line and then you got them on the other side. So it's just growing, right? Uh, because we're on a county line, it's involving two counties. So no commercial solar energy conversion systems shall surround a non-participating landowner's property boundary on more than two sides is critical. And then we would like to make sure that um, separate solar facilities, whether it's the same developer on either side of County Line Road in different counties, um, or it's separate, you know, applicants altogether. Three miles distance from one solar facility to another. Get them far apart. Um, and then in closing, and I'm probably out of time, aren't I? I just go back to the map that I built in the very beginning that you all remember. And the big question of mine is why? Why here? And to me, the reason is the particular applicants that kind of got this all started. They want to keep things inexpensive and cheap, but at our expense. And that's just not right. So please protect the people. Back to what Charlie Davis mentioned, maintaining the people, the quality of life and the rural character. And thank you so much for all that you have, have done because you've done a remarkable job and we appreciate it. Thank you, Ms. Brandon. Is there anybody else in the chamber's room there that wants to make comment? Kyle Kobe with planning. I'm not seeing anybody else. No, I'm seeing, I'm seeing no's. Okay, Luke Sinclair Chair. Maybe we can turn to the folks that have raised their hands on the Zoom call and if if people there at City Hall, uh, if anybody else decides that they do wanna make comment, we can come, come back to them. Um, so I am just gonna go down the line here. The first person in uh, whose hand I see up is uh, Dorothy Barnett. Go ahead, ma'am. 
Hi, Dorothy Barnett, Climate and Energy Project Executive Director. I live at 129 West 25th in Hutchinson. And I'd like to start my comments by commending the ad hoc committee for um, their work on the regulations. Um, the work you're doing today is important and it will impact Douglas County and the state for decades to come. I do understand the delicate balance and the choices that you are faced with. How do you measure the value of reducing greenhouse gas emissions from fossil fuels against the carbon that is released into the atmosphere with the removal of topsoil to make way for a climate solution like utility scale solar? Um, and I recognize that you've worked hard to try to figure that out. Um, it's possible that you made the right assumptions when you chose a 5% grading limit. But it's also possible that some adjustments are necessary to allow solar to be the kind of climate solutions that we need. Um, I have appreciated your remarks in various meetings that it is not your intention for the regulations to be a barrier to solar development. I know that at least one company has submitted written comments on the draft you're considering tonight, but as I understand it, no conversations have taken place about that draft that you're talking about voting on um, with solar developers or with other industry leaders to find out if that 5% grading is a, is a fatal flaw. Um, I really believe that clarity and conversation between the planning committee and industry will likely result in the kind of strong regulations that you want while also allowing solar developers to identify with you any of the areas the regulations um, could have unintended consequences for. Um, there have been significant changes in the draft ordinances and it makes sense to see tonight as an opportunity to gain feedback rather than the time to approve this draft. So before you vote on something that could potentially stop the development um, unintentionally, not only in Douglas County, but across the state as others look to you for leadership, I really encourage you to pause and to spend some time talking with the companies who are gonna to have to be the ones who work within the regulations that you set. Um, there simply isn't any harm gaining additional feedback, um, but if you push through regulations that stop development, that, that, that's a huge risk. Um, I appreciate you hearing me tonight. I appreciate that you've taken my calls, that you've listened to my concerns. I know that you are doing what you think is best, um, but I just really would implore you to have conversations with, with those developers um, to make sure that there aren't unintended consequences. Thank you. Thank you for those comments, Ms. Barnett. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, going down the line here, I think Malcolm Proudfit is next. Okay, um, I'd like to first of all thank the Planning Commission for everybody's time hearing my comments today. Um, and before I dive into those comments, I'd like to extend a virtual hello to my good friend and colleague and golfing buddy, Mike Schumann, who just gave comments a little earlier. We both work together at Good Energy Solutions. And uh, I've, I've had the privilege of working with Mike for a couple years. He has been a champion of the solar industry and, um, you know, have loved working with him over the years. I uh, haven't provided too much insight or comments uh, regarding 
these regulations as of late because when I heard about um, the Next Era project in particular, um, it was well outside of the scope that our company could ever handle. Um, of course, it's going to require hundreds of workers. We only have about 40 employees. So, of course, I was excited to hear about some potential utility scale solar in the state. Um, truthfully, didn't pay too much attention, but uh, Dorothy Barnett at the Climate Energy Project um, brought this draft to my attention, and um, I definitely had some grave concerns. Um, I am not necessarily speaking in support of any particular project, but rather utility scale solar in general in Douglas County. And the main point that I'd like to make here is that a 25 year cap on a conditional use permit for a utility scale project in Douglas County effectively kills the economics for any developer who would potentially be seeking to install a project in the county. I understand that the conditional use permit can be reviewed after that 25 year period is up, but that is too much of a risk for any of these developers that are large enough to put in these uh, larger scale utility scale uh, solar developments. So um, I wanted to stick that comment out there that uh, the 25 year cap should really be um, reconsidered before anything is set in stone. The typical life expectancy of a utility scale solar project nowadays is about 32 and a half to 35 years. And it's been growing um, just like the solar industry has. Um, and uh, those, that is really the main regulation that I want to uh, draw any attention to. I can understand uh, all of the discussions surrounding healthy setbacks, um, the effect on farmland, grading, things like that. But um, the the time limit on the conditional use permit will kill any potential utility scale solar development in the entire county. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Prophet. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, I think next is Alan Anderson. Go ahead, sir. Yes, thank you. So my name is Alan Klaus Anderson. I'm the vice chair of the energy practice group at the Polsonelli Law Firm. Uh, I'm also adjunct professor of law at the University of Kansas Law School, where I teach renewable energy practice and policy, including land use uh, processes, which this is a, will be a good le learning part for my students. So that nothing else this is good for that. And again, I do, I do want to extend a thanks to the to the ad hoc committee and and to the greater committee, uh, to the planning commission as well for the effort on this. It's uh, well documented how much time people have put into this and the effort that's been given. And so there, there's a lot of credit that should be given for that. And so we want to thank you. Um, with that, the, the draft that was previously received and then now we have just recently then obviously a, a new draft does have some very serious concerns for us. And so um, in three minutes, that doesn't allow for talking about that. So what I'll do is I will provide, you know, just give you one area of concern and then talk a little bit about the process. And so the definition impact of topsoil and the grading strictures, how they're implemented, where they take place is understood that, that that's an area of concern and something that should be addressed. What we're concerned about is, is the, the details of that where it, with some discussion, there could be uh, further advancement of the goals of the counties yet still work with the, with the project. But let me take a step back. If, if, as we look at how we got here today, the, 
um, we addressed, we approached the county to talk about the fact that a project is in its early stages and may move forward. No, no guarantees of that, of course. And at the early stage of the project, we don't have all the things in place to look specifically at a site because if we don't have uh, participation land, if we don't have regulations that work, project doesn't report, and that happens uh, all the time. So as we get a set of ordinances like this, we have to fast forward to something that's more uh, common at the end of a project, and that's looking at uh, the details of this grading, look at the details of the soil, look at all those processes. And again, there's been significant changes, even from the draft that was originally looked at to the one that's now. And so while we very much want to participate in that discussion and that review, we haven't had that chance. So what we're asking of this commission and the broader planning commission, I'll hurry up through this, is Mr. to take Mr. This can you just pause for a second, Mr. Anderson? I, I'm yeah. hearing feedback and I want to make sure we can hear everything you're saying. Uh, I think one of the users or one of the folks that are logged on has their camera unmuted, Jane Jane Nelke, I think. Could you please mute your, uh, mute your device? Or Kyle, is there a way to mute? Kyle, Kobe with planning. I, I don't have that option available to me. Okay. It sounds like more though. Okay, it sounds like it's a little better. Although, okay. Just as a reminder, if you're not talking, please keep your device muted. Um, it, Mr. Anderson, please, please proceed. Yeah, it, it, it was some part of that. Do you want me to step back? Or were you able to hear enough of that? We I, we could hear. It was just okay. I, it felt like it was starting to maybe get a little worse and wasn't going away. Yeah, I, I was hearing that as well. So that was kind of I like the challenge. I like that it was kind of it kind of throws some obstacles in the way. So I guess the point that I was kind of going with these concerns, and because we're at the early stage of a project, it does take a, a significant amount of effort and resources to review these type of things. These are very material as we look and try to work with the county, both in in the goals of the county and the specifics as written. So what we're asking is that the county and the ad hoc committee, but of course the greater planning commission don't take this as the end point of this process to move to the county commission, but a marker of which we go out and seek uh, further comment. And not just from us, of course, from anyone that wants to provide comment. Of course, you've heard you know celebratory language from, from, from certain groups and there's a reason for that. I think that should maybe create a pause in that because of who they work with, but it also, uh, the fact that we have these grave concerns, we may come back and say, oh, that's great, we can work with that. But I think it's probably more likely that we say, I understand your goal. If we made certain adjustments to that, we can both meet the county's goal and allow projects to move forward. But right now it's potential that there are fatal flaws within that that, that don't allow solar to go forward. Whereas if you take the pause and get more input, we can find that out through this process. If you move it forward to the planning commission with a recommendation without getting that input, that is harder to bring back. And so again, this isn't asking for you to, to do anything specific as to those other than to take feedback, take it from us, take it from those who will give you good information, take you those that have good questions. You're gonna get a whole bunch of misinformation as well. You're gonna get the whole bit of that, but that's the request is to take that time to look at that uh, as it relates to, to these ordinance. I understand that there's a lot of time put in this and the lure of being done with it, I share that. I completely share that. I assure you, this is longer than, than most processes, but getting it right, of course, I think is better. And again, since we are the closest project in proximity to moving forward, uh, we'd be the one the most harmed. And so I think from the bigger perspective, the harm would come from moving it forward when it's not quite ready. 
Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Luke Sinclair Chair. I think the next on the list is uh, Marvin, Marvin Noki. And I apologize if I've mispronounced your name. Hi, my name is Marvin Kenoki. I'm a property owner at 539 East 2400 Road in Edgerton, Kansas. Um, thank you, Planning Commission, to allow me to speak to you this cold winter night. Um, tonight, I'd like to expose some of the misinformation solar opponents are spreading. Anti-solar groups rely on misinformation from far-right politicians and spread falsehoods on their Facebook pages. Their comments to you are full of misinformation. Examples of totally false claims, solar farms cause heat islands that harm livestock, driving steel piles into the ground ruptures gas pipelines miles away. China wants the U.S. to depend on solar to disrupt our power supply. Examples of gross exaggeration and wrong conclusions. Solar will come based on last winter's Texas blackouts and California blackouts. Um, however, credible independent sources say both claims are wrong. The Texas blackout was mainly due to natural gas facilities freezing up. Solar had nothing to do with it. Solar farms have caused, haven't caused a single California outage, even though solar produces up to 40% of the state's power some days. Solar opponents claim solar panels will contaminate their groundwater with toxic chemicals and cause massive disposal problems. Solar opponents have no credible sources for these fears becoming reality. Solar panels actually use minor amounts of toxic materials which are completely encapsulated. Multiple scientific papers show a very low likelihood for these claims. Solar panel reclaiming or recycling programs are in place and growing. Solar opponents won't compare the minor impacts of solar farm to the overwhelming pollution from coal plants they, they currently rely on. They deny carbon dioxide emissions cause global warming. They rely on junk science and conspiracy theories. They won't compromise on mitigation measures and want an outright solar ban have threatened government I'm sorry, solar opponents also use emotional protests to try to intimidate supporters and have threatened government officials when they don't get their way. Solar proponents have instead quoted information from credible sources, make rational arguments and will compromise. Solar opponents, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Kenoki, Luke Sinclair Chair. Uh, next up, uh, Laura Beth Clark. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, now you can hopefully see me, hi. My name is Laura Beth Clark and I own property at 539 East 
2400 Road in Edgerton, Kansas. My parents are Robert and Donna Kenoki, and I grew up in Gardner. As a child, I often visited my grandparents on my mom's side at their farm in Douglas County. I have heard stories about the generations of my ancestors that grew up there. I know how they made do and had hard times during the Depression, the Dust Bowl, the years of World War II, and even earlier when our ancestors homesteaded the land. Our family has always cared for the land because they depended on it. As I grew up, I learned the value of hard work by helping with farm chores, putting up hay, working the cattle, pregnancy checking, and even moving cattle from place to place. We butchered our own beef and we made cider from the apple trees at my mom's home place. When I married my husband, he started helping with the cattle too, and our children became familiar with the farm, helping to work on it. My parents wanted to keep their land in the family and pass it down as they're now in their 90s and are thinking about their legacy. A solar farm kept in a family court, court, corporation would allow for them to do that. And it would prevent their rural land from being broken into developments and ever spreading suburbs of Johnson County or, and Douglas County. Think of it as you would growing corner beans. We are harvesting a different type of product. They've agreed to a solar lease because they did their research and know that a solar farm is beneficial for everyone. My husband is an engineer who has worked on power plant design and construction over 40 years. He has worked on all aspects of solar farms since 2008, 13 years total. He explained all aspects of solar farms to my family and helped even my parents with figuring out how to do their solar lease. Our family knows that a solar farm won't hurt their property, but will preserve it. Solar farms are much cleaner than fossil fueled power plants that Douglas County residents currently rely on. Those local plant power plants include the 60 year old Lawrence power plant and the 50 year old Lassine power plant. These power plants are old and increasingly unreliable. They are inefficient and highly polluting, producing huge amounts of air pollution and coal ash, which is toxic. In particular, they produce huge quantities each day of carbon dioxide, which is proven to cause global warming. Solar power plants produce no air pollution, no uh, air pollution, solid waste, no wastewater. They are quiet, they have minimal visual impact. They use sunlight to produce the power, which is renewable and won't run out for a billion years. They will allow coal-fired plants to operate less and to eventually be shut down, which is what Evergy eventually wants to do. Please ignore the misinformation being stated by solar opponents. Their comments are very exaggerated and they ignore the damage of coal-fired plants. Solar plants will not harm their property, especially after all the protective regulations included in your draft solar zoning regulations. Please work to enact fair and reasonable zoning regulations based on fact, not on fear, and that are in line with those enacted by the hundreds of other counties around the country. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Clark, Luke Sinclair Chair. We the next we have uh, Carlene Thompson. Looks like maybe we lost 
Carlene Thompson. Um, perhaps she'll reconnect. Uh, so we'll move on to Michael Allman. Hello, good evening, commissioners. My name is Michael Allman, and I'm with Sustainability Action Network in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, as we mentioned at previous meetings and this discussions, Sustainability Action Network has for years been supportive of solar energy. I have rooftop solar myself. Matter of fact, most of the board members of the Sustainability Action Network have rooftop solar as well. But the question for us is how the utility solar is done, not whether it's done, but how it's done, on what scale and what time frame, and what proximity. Um, when this was first discussed uh, in June, we mentioned that one of our main concerns was the protection of productivity of Douglas County farmland, uh, not the longevity of keeping it out of production, but it's ongoing productivity. And then in um, August, we pointed out that one of the ways that can be accommodated is through agrivoltaics, combining crops growing underneath the solar collectors. Everybody seemed to jump on that as a great solution. And we appreciate the fact that that's been included in the regulations. The problem is it's strictly voluntary. If, if we really want to protect the farmland so the productivity can continue, you can make that requirement of any uh, uh, conditional use permit. You already are making it a requirement that there be vegetative cover instead of uh, gravel with herbicides, whatever. You can make agrivoltaics a requirement. It's it's perfectly within your, your capability. And it's not like staff feels that the regulations adequately protect the prime farmland. Uh, it's just wishful thinking. Your, um, the, the draft that the staff has come up with uh, point out that if a developer intends to design with agrivoltaics, they should make a note of that. That's a big if. What's, where's the motivation? It's just one more cost they're going to avoid. Um, secondly, the size of the, the um, projects have to be kept below 500 acres. We've said that from the outset, and it's even more clear now. The, um, if you consider what um, Ms. Brandon hit on it very clearly very just a while ago, that a developer is gonna put a project on both sides of the county line. They wanna maximize each side, which will then double the capacity of their overall project. Really, Douglas County should only allow 250 acres and then Johnson County could match it with 250 acres. 500 acres would give them 175 megawatts. And I say that because the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory just recently came out with a study saying that solar company is using 10 year old statistics saying that they need seven to eight acres per megawatt. One megawatt, um, can be generated on 2.86 acres. This is according to the National Berkeley Lab with a, with a panel power density being manufactured today, 
uh, 0.35 megawatts per acre is what they generate. So really, they only need um, about 250 acres. 500 acres will get them 175 megawatts. And as Mr. Anglin pointed out, that's bigger than most of uh, Next Era's projects right now. Thank, Mr. Uh, Allman, thank you. You've, uh, you've okay. reached well, four minutes. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, thank you, sir. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Um, I, think, I see we have Carlene Thompson back on. Uh, you can go ahead if you can unmute yourself. Yes, I'm Carlene Thompson. My daughter-in-law, Brittany Thompson, is going to speak for me. I'm holding my grandchild. Very good. All right. Uh, hello, my name is Brittany Thompson, and um, I am part of the family of people who own uh, Kenoki Properties, LLC. Uh, my husband's family owns land in Douglas County and would like to lease it for a solar farm to be built on it. As a young adult with a newborn baby, I'm very concerned about the reality of climate change and how it might affect us all. During my lifetime, I know that summers are hotter, spring starts earlier, and the weather is more unpredictable. I've followed news stories of more powerful hurricanes hitting Louisiana and Texas, much worse world wildfires in California, and rising sea levels threatening low-lying islands around the world. You might say, I live in Kansas and none of that directly affects me. Why should I care? I would hope that like me, you are concerned about the entire world and how climate change, if not slowed, could be devastating impacts for everyone and everywhere. As a former employee of the Region 7 Environmental Protection Agency off of Brenner Road, I have worked in the filing library and am familiar with the laws and health concerns of soil, water, pollution, etc. that pertains to the states of Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, and Nebraska. Almost all scientists who have studied climate change have concluded that carbon dioxide released by burning fossil fuels is responsible for much of the climate change we've experienced. It is a fact that carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere have increased rapidly and consistently for the past 50 years. CO2 is a proven greenhouse gas and is warming the planet quickly. Some local politicians like Kansas Senator Mike Thompson, who is not a relative, claim climate change is a hoax. He and his allies are actively working hard to stop any renewable power plant from being built locally within Kansas. If he gets his way, climate change will get worse because the old coal-fired power plants we currently rely on for electricity will have to remain in operation and continue their heavy pollution. That's just not right. And it's not right that Douglas County residents are repeating Senator Thompson's misinformation about solar to lobby against you, allowing solar farms in Douglas County. Uh, I ask that you do the right thing and enact zoning regulations for solar farms that are fair and reasonable and that allow solar farms to be built. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Um, next up, we have Jacqueline Smith. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Smith. I am a small business owner in Douglas County. My business is called Central Grazing Company. I also own land. I'm a rural citizen of Douglas County. We have some acreage out on 900th Road. And I am wanting to commend the Planning Commission on the recommendation of the um, vegetation management or the agrovoltaic management plan. I think that that is 
um, a very progressive insight for what Douglas County sees as the rural value system here. And I really appreciate the um, effort you guys have put in to create such important and progressive regulations around protecting our farmland. I come from the perspective that as agrovoltaics kind of move through the Midwest, we are in critical crisis of losing precious agricultural soils to large scale industrial um, photovoltaics and agriculture coupled with photovoltaics is the solution to help open uh, new alternative and emerging markets to come into the marketplace to really help small and middle tiered agricultural producers like myself. I came into agriculture without having any background in it. I don't come from a family that has acreage. I, I stepped into agriculture as a career choice, which is crazy when you don't have access to land or know how to farm, but I did it and I've been doing it for 25 years. And I've never seen an opportunity like this where we can open up real ag agricultural land for emerging markets. And this type of partnership with photovoltaic companies who really celebrate and support the use of agrovoltaics could create a whole industry that would benefit the rural citizens and farmers, especially in Douglas County. And just from our initial assessments of this project, it would bring in pretty quickly a $10 million infrastructure um, investment and create multiple different kinds of brands. And I've been speaking with some colleagues um, about this in other areas and understanding some of the challenges that go in for um, this type of scale and know that it's going to take a, a, a team of really professional and sophisticated um, shepherds and farmers of all types to be able to manage the um, capacity that's going to be required for the land operation, which is um, a significant um, money or economic development for our county and very exciting. Not only does it help you know, pave the way for clean energy, but we can also create this whole emerging market with it. So I'm, I just want to continue to support um, the effort to um, create agrovoltaics that really um, help foster um, new economic development for rural farmers like myself. And I want to commend you for your good job and thank you so very much. Thank you, Ms. Smith, Luke, Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, I think we also have uh, Jane Kenoki. Go ahead. Hi, this is Jane Kenoki. Thank you for uh, uh, allowing me to join you. And for that, I have some points I want to make. And uh, uh, I apologize earlier. We could not attend in person because the hearing uh, assisted devices weren't going to be uh, available. They weren't working. So we have been uh, fighting and working through the Zoom areas. First off, I wanted to talk about uh, Commissioner Rexrod's comments that this is an industrial application. It is not an industrial application. If it were, it would have to be zoned industrial. This is being applied for in a zoned rural area, and it is a farmland use, and it's part of an agrivoltaics where we are farming sunshine. And this project keeps rural land rural. So I want to point out that this is a rural project. Solar farms easily exist in a rural setting, are compatible, easily mitigated, no noise, no smells, no sounds. The next point I want to talk about is the 5% of the area to be graded. 
That target is very restrictive. Let's think about where do you find most level ground? You find it in a floodplain. So you have a delicate balance here of not wanting solar panels in floodplains where you have the level ground and then the 5% restriction. So I think this is too restrictive and this conflict between protecting the floodplains and limiting the grading isn't working. That needs to be raised up, it's very restrictive. And then the next thing I wanna point out is that a thousand acres is too small uh, an, an, an amount that you have landowners that are much more interested in a larger footprint. And Douglas County needs to step up to their social responsibilities and look at generating power for the people that are there, especially as the power plant is becoming more and more efficient, the coal-fired one. And property owners have the rights to farm solar, so why would you want to limit them? The next point I wanna ask is, how come this ad hoc commission has never contacted property owners that are interested in doing this? You haven't reached out to us to ask us. We've had to write you letters, we've had to come and talk to you, but not once have you reached out to us to ask us why this is so important. We would like to sit down with you and talk with you about that, so please consider that. The next point is standards versus goals. These incentives that you're saying about voltaics and Karen Wiley, Commissioner Wiley, talks about as being incentives. You know, how do you have a standard that you can't measure or a goal that you can hang out like a carrot when you're doing a CUP? Well, you know, those are considerations. They're not standards and they should not be put in standards. You should not be trying to bargain a thousand acre cap or 25 year project life with incentives that are vague and undefined. If I read through the other, the rest of the zoning code, the incentives are there for historical sites and defined. So let's be consistent and let's not be vague and let's not uh, try to dangle imaginary gray smoke and mirror carrots. Last point I want to talk thank about is- Ms. Ms. Kenoki, thank you. Uh, we've reached the maximum on the time. You're welcome. Um, Luke Sinclair Chair, we also have uh, Catherine Ellsworth that wishes to make comment. Go ahead, ma'am. Hi there. Sorry, I couldn't raise my hand. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I realize how complex this issue is, and I really, I, it, it really is impressive how much ground you guys have covered in a short period of time. Um, I grew up in Iowa, and Iowa gets 60% of their electricity from solar energy, well, from renewables, wind and solar. And so they're a really good resource for a lot of these nuances. One of the things though, I hope that you do hold fast to is the thousand acre limit. That's more than more than adequate. And most of the solar farms in Iowa are smaller than a thousand. Although ironically, uh, Next Nextera is trying to do a, a big one on um, the land in Lynn, Lynn County. They own the nuclear plant there. Dwayne Arnold is the, the project. One thing um, I will mention that the leases in Iowa tend to be longer. They tend to be more around 
30 years. So I think that might be a reasonable extension. Um, they also do zoning overlays. The, uh, a solar farm is not a farm. And um, the correct terminology industry-wide is utility scale solar or industrial solar. So that's because it's done by a business, it's an industry. So I think that it would be good to really hold fast to the area limit. So thank you very much. I appreciate your work. Thank you for that. Sorry, thank you for that, Ms. Ellsworth, Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, is there anybody else on the Zoom um, call that wants to make public comment? Uh, go ahead and raise your hand. I'm not, I'm not seeing anyone raising their hand. Um, if, if there's anybody in person in City Hall that over the last few minutes has decided they do want to make comments, um, I guess now would be your chance to do so. I'll give you a couple seconds. I'm not seeing Nobody anybody getting up. Not appear to be anybody um, in person who wishes to make additional comments. Okay, Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you. Then I think um, I'll close public comment and uh, we can bring it back to the commission. I might suggest though, before we launch into our discussion that we take a, a brief recess. Um, if, if everyone's willing or okay with taking a five minute break and reconvening uh, about 8.55 or so, just to take a break, that'd be great. <laughs> Kyle Kilby with planning. We'll be back with you in a moment once we are able to proceed. Kyle Kilby with planning. I think we are ready to proceed at this point. Kyle, are we ready in the room there? Uh, yes, that's correct. Are we on mute? Are, are, can you hear me, Chair? No? Yes. I can hear you. Okay. Sorry, did you respond, Kyle? Uh, yes, we are ready. <laughs> Sorry, I had some technical difficulties on my end here. Uh, Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you. Okay, welcome back. <clears throat> um, you know, I think I wanted to maybe just make a uh, couple comments before we launch in, if I could. I mean, I, Mary Miller um, and then members of the ad hoc committee in sort of the opening um, statements 
I think alluded to this and fleshed it out pretty well, but, um, but they've all put sort of countless hours and worked tirelessly on, on these regulations with, uh, stakeholders, um, we as a as a whole commission have uh, have heard literally hours of public comment. We've received dozens, if not hundreds, of pages of written comment. We ourselves, as a commission, have engaged in in hours of what I've considered to be thoughtful, free ranging discussion about the regulations. Um, I think it's maybe naive to assume that everybody's uh, concerns or that everyone will feel that their concerns have been adequately addressed in these. Um, but it seems to me anyways, that maybe we're to a point where we ought to at least consider um, advancing these to the board of county commissioners with a recommendation one way or the other. Um, and to that end, I guess what I wanted to suggest tonight was that we sort of work our way to uh, going through the regulations, maybe section by section. Um, and not that we have to talk about every every part of it, but just as a way of ferreting out any remaining concerns or issues or questions that any commissioners may have. And, you know, with allusion to comments from um, from the public that we heard tonight. Um, and uh, it, with the goal, I guess, of seeing if, if we have a consensus one way or the other, if we want to make a recommendation to approve, if there are additional um, revisions we'd like to ask staff to make as part of that. Um, but I I don't want to just jump into that and make us do that if there are um, discussions, you know, sort of more general discussions that we as a commission need to have. So I guess before I would ask us to do that, um, I want to maybe put it back on the rest of the commission and see if, if anybody has uh, concerns with approaching it that way at this juncture. Um, you know, I know that some uh, members of the public have commented that uh, that they don't feel like uh, enough consideration has been given um, to the regulations. So I want to uh, give some room um, uh, for addressing those if anybody wants to. Um, so it, I'd be curious to know what other members of this commission think about about that, or if if they have any um, lingering concerns, I guess, from the things we talked about in January at our study session, which um, Mary went through the answers on, uh, things of that nature before we go through step by step. And what do you guys think? Commissioner Shanklin? Hi, Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Um, I, I guess I have a couple of things that fall in the category of lingering concerns that really don't seem to be um, or don't appear to be an issue for many. Um, and so I, I'd like to ask Mary to clarify a couple of things first, and then I'll just make a general comment. Um, Mary, in, in your um, run through of the enumerated items in your PowerPoint tonight, uh, you referred to having the ability to review and approve, I think were the words you used, a uh, a transferee of, from the operator. And the way this is drafted, all you get is notice. Um, you don't have the opportunity to review and approve. So if that was your intention, I think we should change the drafting on that provision. Mary Miller Planner, uh, we may want to revise that wording. I believe that the, uh, the suggested wording we were given was that they would provide notice to the county commission and they would 
provide documentation that they agree to all the conditions. And so probably including some phraseology there that the county commission can review their um, reputation, experience, and financial ability, just like we have for the original operator, that would be maybe a good idea. I, I think, yeah, I, I think the things that are important to you, you should put in as conditions for a review, because uh, otherwise, the, the way it's set up, you just, you get notice, and um, that could be from a shell company. Um, the, the other question I have for you is, um, we're, when we look at quantifying the surety, you have um, current dollars for a decommissioning that will occur some 25 to 30 years from now. And so I wanna make sure that first of all, that's your intention is to look at, I mean, for example, were this to be 25 years ago, we would have looked at $19.97. Uh, to address a, uh, a decommissioning and reclamation in 2022 is, I want to make sure that's what you're expecting. Mary Miller Planner, um, in that section about the bond requirement under item three, it has a mechanism for adjustment over the life of the project so that the, the bond amount could be adjusted, it could be increased based yeah. on. I just want to make starting point, Mary, is current dollars so that when you when you say in year one you're estimating the reclamation cost, you're talking about the cost today to do something 25 years from now, expressed in today's dollars. And this becomes important when we talk about inflation. Right, so, and I think that's why in that section it, it says that the uh, they can they engage a qualified individual to recalculate the estimated cost of decommissioning, and I think that recalculation is not because we think it might take a different type of decommissioning reclamation, but it, that it may cost different amounts. You know, it, the cost may have gone up. Yeah, so so, and with reference to that provision that, that calls for the five-year reconsideration, um, it refers to original cost. So that, let's back to a, a, a um, you know, a, a conditional use permit that was considered in 1997 um, in, 2002, um, it would be looking at the increase in costs relative to, as you say, the original estimated cost, which was the $1997. What would happen in 2007? Would you look at 1997 original cost for your 10% comparison, or would you want to look at the 2002 computation and so on and so forth. Like every five years, are you still going back to a 10% over original cost? Or are you going back to just the previous estimated cost? I, I the, the five year review. Yeah, yeah Commissioner Shanklin, thank you. I understand what you're saying now, Mary Miller Planner. So yeah, that should be 10% more than the previous five years, not than the original, because that would probably only occur once. So I think it would be a change. Is okay. that what you're saying from the original five-year review? So there's a potential step up every five years of the reference cost that you're you're basing the 10% on. 
I think that's the intention. Yeah, I think that we could certainly make that clearer because I wasn't tracking on that. Okay. Um, my, my general comment then is if we were to look at our inflation experience, and again, I, I just take 1997 as an example project because it's easy to compute because here we are today, 25 years from 1997. Um, if, if in the five-year increments, we, we would have learned in 2002 that we were over 10%, we would have stepped up. 2007, we were over 10%, we would have stepped up. 2012, we were over 10%, we would have stepped up. 2017, we were only at 6.5%. So we would not have stepped up. And then when decommissioning occurs, all of a sudden we're 22% over. And with without a step up, because if that's the point where we're deciding to, to decommission, we, we have no ability to account for that 22% other than to look to the taxpayers because there's no accountability whatsoever to the operator. Have removed the liability clause. So I just I just wanted to to make those general comments because I, I can't support this when it's just potentially 20% of the cost or more. And and our inflation experience is 75 to 130% over any given 25 year period you want to look back to. I mean, we're saddling the taxpayers of Douglas County with a potential cleanup cost here. Otherwise, I mean, I'd support a 35-year CUP uh, because I think it's a great idea. The working premise that we're mothballing ag land with the ability to restore it, you know, some decades from now, that works for me because we need the solar. But I think we have to have accountability, and I think we have to have good predictability on what the cost to the taxpayers is going to be if and when we can't look to the operator. And I just wanted to make sure I understand you correctly. So if we, this is Mary Miller again, if we went back and the 10%, you know, we recalculated every five years and we based that 10% increase on the previous five-year calculation, would that address your concern? Rather than going back to the original cost? Yeah. No, because in 2017, we only had a 6.7% increase in inflation over the previous five-year period. So we take that and then build the ensuing 15% from 2017 to 2022, resulting in a 22% shortfall with no accountability to the operator. I mean, I, I just think we, we, you know, a surety would be fine if it were the right amount. Um, and it, it's probably a whole lot easier than trying to create accountability to, you know, Florida Power and Light. But I don't like the idea of exposing taxpayers to that much of a shortfall, and I couldn't recommend to the county commission that they do that. You have a suggestion. Would it be just to increase it, whatever the, the increase is, rather than holding it to the 10%? And, or do you have another I suggestion? I mean, do you want us to look at this further and, and just find something better? I, I I think that we need to have a more finely tuned 
a process that we can control, but also looking to the, the operator to provide the data. So it looks like Commissioner Rexroad has his hand up. Yeah, go ahead, Commissioner Rexroad. Thanks, Commissioner Rexroad. Yeah, Commissioner Shanklin, just looking through the language specifically and wanting to make sure we correct, it'd be great if you had a specific paragraph that you would like to make an adjustment to, you're recommending an adjustment to, please do provide that that very specific language. But I am looking out at, uh, in the staff report, page 20. Um, this may be different than what you're talking about. We have it covered under the, the general liability insurance showing um, insurance coverage for the lifespan of the project encompassing installation and operation through decommissioning. So pro providing for that all the way through decommissioning, evidence shall be provided annually in the form of certificate insurance. Um, so we, we've got that check in there on an annual basis that we do have that, that we, we do have coverage there. Uh, does that paragraph satisfy? Uh, your that's, that's liability. That that's that that that's for their. I mean, first of all, that doesn't insure us. It only insures the operator, and insures the operator for liability for casualties that occur on the property, not the reclamation costs. So, if somebody has a slip and fall on the property, we know they're covered. Um, it was subject to the deductible, which is unstated. Can you can you just real quickly take us to the paragraph that you're that you're uh, looking at? Sure. Um, hang on, just a Is it the bond requirement under item 18 on page 24 of the um, yeah. draft language? I mean, that follows, that, that's right. It is the bonding paragraph. Um, where it describes the step up process. So in 18 paragraph three, you're, you're saying, uh, that should read the bond or other financial security shall include a mechanism for adjustment over the life of the project. And we say every five years, you'd like clarification in that that says every five years. How would, how would you adjust that? Well, for one thing, I, I think 10% provides too much latitude. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, we we haven't heard Nextera's voice on this, I don't think, but um, I, I mean, we should control the, the review, not them. And uh, I think working margin of one to 2% would be better. Um, it's, once you've done the work to, to determine what the decommissioning cost is, why not adjust to it? Why, why have a margin of 10% either way? That, that's just too much latitude given the, the inflation experience that we've had over the years. And it's, you know, the, that 20th year on a, on a 25 year CUP is what leaves you wide open uh, because 
if we were looking at 2017 to 2022 um, with no accountability in 2022 but for the surety that surety is 15% short so maybe in later years you do an annual review Luke Sinclair, Chair. Uh, I mean, do we, Commissioner Shanklin? I think maybe this was already asked to you, but is there is there a way to make sure that we are always accounting, to, like you know, to the dollar about getting everything out of it that we can? I haven't I, given well, it any I, thought. I think, what, I, I think what I just said about you know reducing the margin first of all, ten percent. I think it's too much bandwidth. Um, and then also uh, a greater frequency, particularly in the later years of the project. Um, every two years. So, Commissioner Shanklin, just to just to offer a, a suggestion. Um, if we added, um, this is uh, subparagraph A, uh, where it talks about the 10%, if we added a subparagraph B, which simply said, and will be reviewed annually and adjusted for inflation and other considerations as required, would that satisfy your concern? Well, there you've changed the five years to annual, which is good. Yes, um, yes, if you're Added, put in the language on inflation. Um, yeah, well, it, as far as I'm concerned, um, the idea is to predict the amount of future dollars that you would need, right? Not current dollars. Right. Uh, because our 1997 dollars aren't going to do us, you know, that much good in 2022. There's 75 cents because we have 75% of. Right. If you do an annual review, you specifically call out an adjustment for inflation and other considerations. Yeah, all considerations. I mean, that's just yeah. we reestimate the reclamation costs. Yeah. It doesn't even have to name it. Yeah. I'd certainly be comfortable with that language. I think that's a great ad, great clarification. Luke Sinclair Chair, I, I think I saw Commissioner Willie's hand go up when we were talking about that. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner, I was just kind of going to consolidate that and say adjusted annually, annually for inflation and reviewed every five years. Is that the direction we're headed? Commissioner Rexford would like that even better. I I think if you have a mechanism to address inflation every year and they supply an increase to the surety bond every year based on inflation, that should work. Commissioner Rexford, uh, Mary Miller, do you have what you need from us to capture that addition? 
I believe I do. I believe we're looking at um, one thing was the step up, like you said, always have it, the increase being from whatever it was at the previous review. And um, if it's one or 2%, or even if it's just, just make the adjustment for whatever it is and not have a, a range and do that calculation annually rather than every five years. Adjust for inflation annually and review every five years. I think it's a very specific language. And that'd be- if we adjust annually, what are we reviewing every five years? Would we be reviewing it annually so we can adjust it? Or I, what, is there something else we would be reviewing? That's fair. Okay, so adjust annually considering inflation and other considerations. Yes. This is Commissioner Shanghan again. I, that is different from what Commissioner Welly suggested and that she was just stepping up for inflation on an annual basis, but reconsidering all other possible factors in the increase or decrease of the reclamation costs on a five-year interval. Do reclamation costs. Except annually in the last five years, right? You wanted the reclamation cost reviewed annually the last five years. So we didn't end up with a large sum at the end, I think. I think that would be great. Okay, that makes sense. We'll get some resistance just for the cost, but. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Commissioner Ashworth, go ahead. You're still muted. Um, hi, uh, Sharon Ashworth. Um, just want to apologize uh, for dropping off the line there. My internet quit on me. Um, so, but when I came in, I heard um, the front end of that discussion and Mary uh, suggesting uh, that a change was being made. And I just wanted to know if I missed any other comment before the discussion of the bond in which a change was made or a change was suggested prior to that. Luke Sinclair Chair, I don't think you missed any other changes. That was sort of the culmination of the whole discussion. Great. You're muted. Uh, again. I'm still having sort of difficulties with this. So um, I'm kind of cutting in and out. Sorry. Um, Sharon Ashworth Planning Commission. Great. I'm glad I didn't miss um, anything before that, but I do want to just comment on uh, the possibility of this, dis as this discussion goes forward, is getting down the very specific language of any recommended changes so that there is still a possibility of recommending um, approval or denial along with certain conditions and certain languages that we might uh, have the possibility of voting on it tonight. And I'll just listen for a bit and catch up. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, do any other commissioners have any uh, comments they want to uh, make um, or uh, opposition to sort of working our way through the um, regs section by section to see if they're, um, and when I say section by section, I don't mean like, you know, <laughs> Subsection, I mean, like, you know, take uh, the first section, um, whole section, work through that, go to the next section. 
Um, any Commissioner Thomas, go ahead. Commissioner Thomas, I, when Mary went through the issues at the start that were to be looked at, at least a couple of those were mine. And I think they were addressed. Um, I don't remember the young lady's name that brought up about looking at the character of the rural area. And that was one of the concerns that I brought up at our last meeting. And I don't see that that has been addressed at all. Uh, last month, when we talked about the Quonset hut and what was going to happen down there, several times um, in the write-up, it was talked about the character of that community around the Quonset hut. I don't see that in this document where we talk about the character of the rural community. Luke Sinclair Chair, I, I, Commissioner Thomas, I, I see a few hands from members of the ad hoc committee go up. I'm guessing they have thoughts about that. Commissioner Willie, I think your hand went up first. Planning Commissioner. Um, Commissioner Thomas, I can address that directly, um, that that is a, a great deal of the discussion that we had all the way through this. The difference being that here we're talking about regulations and there we're talking about a particular item. When we come forward, with, when, when, when the, a particular item comes forward for solar, that will be a very deep and detailed and passionate discussion. Um, when we write regulations for the CUP, it's specific measurable things. Um, the character of the neighborhood, character of the area is a consideration both above these regulations in the comp plan and then below these regulations in the nitty gritty, in the items that come forward. Um, you'll get to be in on a lot of that when uh, we do finally get a solar item come forward. But um, it's not a measurable thing that can be put specifically in a set of regulations. You won't find it probably in any of our specific regulations for CUPs because of that. So it's definitely a consideration. It's just structurally, this isn't the place where we do it. Um, Mary Miller, would you um, confirm or, or comment on that? Mary Miller, yes, I agree completely. We definitely will look at it probably in greater or at least as great a detail as with the Quonset hut. But we have to have a specific location in mind because the Douglas County isn't just one character. So when something's submitted, we would look at that area and what's the topography, what's the terrain, what's between the facility and the adjacent properties. So we have to have a project to be able to look at it. It's not that we don't want to consider the character. It's just like Karen said, there's no real way to write a, a standard. You know, it's already in our regulations and in the comp plan that we do have to take that into account. Commissioner Thomas, so where where is this that I could look at it that says it is in the things that are looked at ultimately, where is that? It's in um, article 307 of the zoning regulations under the review criteria. One of them is the compatibility. So we have on um, 
307, 12-307-2.05. It's the review and decision-making criteria. So this is what we use when we look at a conditional use permit application to make recommendations or decisions. You know, um, is it, does it comply with the regulations? Is it compatible with zoning and land uses in the nearby area? So that's where we look at what's adjacent to it. Is this gonna affect the nearby properties? Is there gonna be direct impacts? And then the next one is whether the proposed use is compatible with the character of the area. And so we look at the area and is it gonna be compatible? It's not gonna be homogenous with it. It's going to be different, but is it compatible? You know, is the impact and like um, you've seen some of the, we come up forward with quarries and sometimes they're not compatible, but they're a necessary use, but we put conditions on them to make them as compatible as possible. And so that's what the CUP allows us to do. If there's a certain condition and having more landscaping or moving a location somewhat makes it more compatible with the character of the area, then that's something that could be done with the conditional use permit itself. So it's in the actual review criteria. So, Commissioner Thomas again. And so perhaps because I am new on the commission, I don't fully grasp the the um, issues that we deal with, but I, I think more of the character of, of the people that are there. What is the character of the people? Not just the land, not just the topography, but the people. Is that, how is that addressed in the zoning regs then if we don't do it um, in these regulations, how, how is that accomplished? Mary Miller Planner, we don't look at the character of people. I don't know how, what, and I think you mean that term probably different than how I'm hearing it. We don't go out and do a demographics watch and say, well, these are middle-class people or, you know, but I think you're saying the rural character, the lifestyle, you know, the things people value about where they live, if that's what you mean, that's what we look at. And that's where the public input is so helpful and why we want to give out that early notice and get input from the public because they can let us know. We're not going to be able to tell what they value about the area. We can look at it and say, well, it's wooded or it's it's agricultural. They're the ones that can say, oh, here's where we have a wetland and here's where you have the wildlife. And so from them, we learn what do they value about the area. And that's where we look at the character. It's not specifically spelled out. That's that's how we get to it. We need the public input to be able to understand what they value about the area. What are what are the things that are important to them? And that's how we learn. Can we can it be compatible with that? Luke Sinclair, Chair, Commissioner Willie, go ahead. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, if it's okay to digress just a little, I'll give an example. Um, when we changed our zoning regulations for the rural area, um, the same regulations that were offered to the city of Vinland made everybody very excited that we had solved a longstanding problem for them. The very same set of regulations brought to the uh, uh, incorporated, unincorporated area of Big Springs made them come at us with pitchforks. They just, it, it was a different character of the area. We had we took that into consideration. They got their an entirely different set of regulations to satisfy their character, um, but that couldn't be done as a blanket statement. It had to be done with consideration of the actual people being impacted. We don't have uniform uh, communities in our 
county. So we've done the best we can for those broad strokes and the rest of it will have to come when the item comes forward. And we hear from, as we have with this, it's a little off balance because even though we're talking about regulations, the neighborhoods that have come to talk to us are talking about an item. And we're, we've, every time we've met with them, we've explained, you know, that's not the consideration. We, we, we're learning from them a great, great deal and from their engagement. But at this point, we're not talking about something that happens in Southeast Douglas County. We're having, talking about something that could happen in your neighborhood, my neighborhood, their neighborhood. And when that item comes forward, We'll have to consider those as individual places and not just as a as a broad whole. So I think this is the right way forward. We've done a, a lot of consideration and trying to kind of distance ourselves from just a single project and look at the county as a whole and where we need to uh, kind of have have those safeguards. Thank you, Commissioner Willie. Luke Sinclair Chair, and thank you, Commissioner Thomas, for bringing that up. Um, Commissioner Rexford, go ahead. Thanks, Commissioner Rexford. Thanks. Um, a suggestion on on maybe in a, a, how we move into the larger body of this. Um, throughout our work, and even tonight, um, there have been four themes that uh, are recurring. And I thought maybe if we if sure maybe we start with those four themes and make sure that we've covered that. I don't want to skip over any detail or, or, or anybody's opportunity to go into any other areas, but uh, make sure that we cover those so that people feel heard and that the that the county commission who reads this next has our feedback on it. Those four areas um, are around grading, project size, CUP length and um, impacts to neighbors, which I feel like we've just had some discussion on and where maybe that belongs. But uh, I wonder if there's any questions anyone has, any concerns about those other three items around grading, how we came to that, size, thousand acres, how we came to that, why it makes sense, CUP, how we came to that. Luke Sinclair Chair, I, I, Commissioner Rexford, I appreciate that suggestion. I'm, I, I think that's a great way to try to plow through some of the larger, um, I guess the more hot, hot ticket items. Um, Commissioner Ashworth, go ahead. Uh, Planning Commissioner Astor, I was just going to dive in real quick to one of those that um, Commissioner Rex Road um, mentioned was the length of the CUP. Um, I do remember on um, more than one occasion hearing public comment uh, with regard to the length of the CUP, and we heard repeatedly 25 years. 25 years is what we heard um, when we were possibly considering 20. Um, so that's what we put in there was 25 years after all that commentary. So just, just making that, I just wanted to, people to notice that, that we listened to that, that 25 years, and that's what went into the regulations. So um, that's where that comes from. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth. Um, Luke Sinclair, Chair. Commissioner Willie, go ahead. Karen <laughs> Willie, Planning Commissioner. Uh, I will take the grading question. Um, it was mentioned in public comment that uh, that we did not allow the solar to happen in floodplains, and that's actually distinctly not true. We went through the process of kind of dis having to have the conversation, difficult conversation of disassembling some longstanding protections in Douglas County over our prime farm ground and our floodplains. And we had some difficult discussions with, with 
between ourselves and with staff about um, whether that was appropriate to hold those back from solar, knowing that those were also the easiest place for solar to occur. So floodplains are absolutely on the table and our flat um, prime farm ground is also on the table. So um, in terms of um, having a, a grading limit, um, that was to keep from our, our landscapes being completely re-sculpted for the purpose of hosting solar. Uh, soils as an ecosystem, we set out in our comp plan and in our other um, protections to, to value, value that and honor that as the future of food production for not just us, but for the world. Um, uh, anything significantly more uh, is going to be just inappropriate for our land use. Um, the 5% is even so is not a hard fast. It is one of the three things that we have put as um, a variable that said, you know, if you have good reason, bring us, bring it to us and ask us. I think it should keep those kind of uh, hard barriers on a great deal of land sculpting, which we decidedly do not want. But we didn't make 5% a hard and fast rule. We said that's our that's what we're headed for. And if you need more than that, you need to tell us exactly why and, and give us something, you know, something that, you know, give it, bring us a project that we really like and want to, um, to give you that. So um, I think we have, I mean, gosh, for solar companies, if they don't see this as a win, then they're not paying attention. We, we worked very hard to make sure that there is a way forward for solar companies to behave well and also locate in Douglas County. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you, Commissioner Willie. Uh, Commissioner Ashworth, I think you got your hand up there first. Karen Ashford Planning Commission, um, just to take off from uh, what Commissioner Willie said, that shows up in a number of uh, things that we put in the regulations, like setbacks, for example. That is also a flexible thing um, to move forward on. Um, we set it at uh, 500 feet um, from existing residences, but there's a lot of flexibility in there, not only for the solar companies, but for residences also who um, may appreciate uh, being compensated for a closer solar facility facility, for example. Uh, it comes across in the size. Uh, it comes across in uh, how a solar company coming in wants to use the land and how much uh, land they will use for not only for solar panels, but for wildlife corridors and sensitive land area. Giving that flexibility allows for um, innovative projects. Um, the incorporation of agrivoltaics, for example, um, the setting aside of sensitive lands, um, concentrating the solar facilities um, in certain areas and not in others. Um, we're hoping that these regulations give that flexibility and allow for a great deal of creativity. So we have allowed for some well, I keep coming back to the word flexibility for the for size, CUP, setbacks, um, a number of issues there. Um, and what we're hoping for is that solar companies take that as a signal to be innovative um, in this county. Luke Sinclair Chair, Commissioner Carpenter. Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. I, I just as you're going to find out, any of the four members of the ad hoc committee can probably address any issue you want to throw at us. And that's why you're seeing all our hands go up at the same time. 
um, we have been so immersed in this. And just to build on what's been said here, the other thing about the thousand acre number, that has built-in flexibility also. If you come forward with an agrivoltaic plan, which requires greater distance between panels inside the fence to accommodate um, sheep herding, because you're going to have to divide that area up into, into smaller paddocks, is what we found out from the solar grazing people. That's built in. If you come with us with your with your plan and say this is what we need, we're going to staff is going to take that into consideration and perhaps recommend to this body to then tweak and make recommendations to the county commissions that we're going to go over the thousand acres within the fence, how we're adding that height to try to minimize the need for grading. We're allowing some flexibility in the height of these panels. It's set as 15. We can go up to 20 to try to reduce the need to grade. We're going to hug the contours of the land. Ultimately, we're trying to protect the soil ecology. What good does it do to put up solar panels to combat climate change if we ruin the, the carbon capture capability of the very lands we put them on? So we're trying to keep the solar, I mean, we want that solar, by uh, the soil biology intact as much as possible. And we hope to only improve it over time because as we've been pointed out in all of our discussions, a lot of this is going to be on farmland that's been degraded to some extent already. We're hoping that over the course of the duration of a solar project, we increase the soil health if we need that farmland, it's going to be there. It's going to be better than it is now. And it's also going to increase the amount of water retention and carbon capture throughout the lifespan of this facility. Those are the types of variables we've been dealing with. Those are the circles that we've been going through trying to come up with a way to do this. We are looking for creative solutions. We can't predict what's coming in the future with changes in technology. They may need less land, they may need more. We do know this, that if the capacity of these panels increases to such, when do we need larger or more transmission lines to carry the energy produced by these panels? That's kind of outside of what we do. But we know that when those come through and it's under the Kansas Corporation Commission, we start looking at eminent domain, everything else. We're, you know, that's not in here. <laughs> But we know that those are all possibilities. But like I said, we're trying to balance all these environmental concerns, a way to gather information so that when a specific conditional use permit comes forward, that we can address the individual concerns of adjacent property owners. We can come up with creative ways to mitigate those, those impacts and so forth. I mean, that's when you have to look at this as a whole, when we start pulling out one little piece, it starts to look pretty crazy. But if you if you can look at it as a whole, as where we've gotten, we have a lot of variability built in here, so we can address a lot of different concerns. Just look at the number of reports and maps that have to come in. So we have the information, so a good decision and any modifications or suggested modifications to what we have has some basis.
Um, so I think we're, we're there. We've had an interesting discussion about bonding, which just every time bonding comes up here on quarries or anything else, I don't know where my head goes other than what the hell are we talking about? But because uh, that seems more something for the county commission and uh, you know the county administrators and the legal department to parse out. And I think it's really good that we had the discussion to point out those issues so that that can happen at the county commission level. But that's really not land use. That's that's protecting, as was said, um, future residents of the county from bearing an, an expense that we shouldn't be bearing. And I think that that's, that's very proper uh, at the county commission level. And, I, and it's, it's good that it's been pointed out here, but I hope that that's not enough that we get a, a no vote on, on sending this up. I think we have enough as has been pointed out before if the county commission, they can approve it as we send it to them. They can tweak it themselves or they can send it back for further discussion when they tell us exactly what they want, or they can just say no. So I think we've done our job. And if there are other things that are vexing people or specific questions, please ask them and watch all four hands go up again. <laughs> Luke Sinclair Chair. That, that seemed to me to cover those four general buckets of some of the feedback we've gotten. Um, I guess one thing I'd add is I, there were there were several comments about um, maybe some uh, factions or stakeholders out there that didn't feel like maybe they were uh, um, adequately represented in in the conversations. I and I mean one of them was uh, you know whether or not. Um, I think solar companies and those sorts of developers had been consulted. And then also whether or not some of the landowners who have, have been actually um, giving the leases out there had, had been uh, consulted. And I, I guess as a, as a non ad hoc committee member, um, the number of times that we've had this in front of us, I think we've heard from those folks from some, from some uh, number of people in those two camps every time. And I, I guess I, I would maybe give, I mean, I don't, I don't know if any members of the ad hoc committee wanted to um, address those comments uh, just to, just to, if, if any record needs to be cleared, but, but commissioner Willie, go ahead. Karen Willie, planning commissioner. I got my hand up before you started, stop talking. And that's just the only reason that I beat out the other three. Um, I do take that concern very seriously because that's been our intention is to talk to anybody who asked us. Uh, one of the tricks is it's nice if they ask us because otherwise, how do we know they want to talk to us? We did seek out and ask people uh, for opinions that we thought we needed, um, but that tonight was the first invitation we'd had to speak with any of the landowners that were looking at leasing. So I would have taken that call very much, very, very quickly. I would have taken that call, um, but we did hear from the great from them a great deal, both in um, written comment. Um, actually, I would take that back. I did have um, email conversations with Stephen Clark, who was a representative from the Kenoki family. And we had some exchanges um, early on. So um, have not visited a property from them, but we also haven't been invited and we can't just show up without that. Um, the, the, the indication that we have not heard enough from industry is, um, is kind of a strange one because 
when we heard, when we you know, stopped our conversations at the Planning Commission at the August meeting, um, the comment from Nextera's representatives is that we, that they would help us write these regulations. And that's about almost the last we've heard from them. Um, working with Nextera has been like dancing without a partner. We ask them, we send them questions. Um, we we did get, we had you know, stakeholder meetings. The reason we started with Black and Beach and Burns and Mac is because we knew they would show up and we would they would give us honest answers from engineers. Uh, when we spoke with uh, Nextera, we heard back from attorneys. We'd ask technical questions and get legal answers. Um, even if we asked again, no, really, I want an answer to these questions. Can you help us? We're writing regulations that concern you. We would get um, an, an additional fluff in return. Um, if they say they don't have enough time to review these, I would flag the thousands of hours that the citizens group has put in in the same amount of time. Um, the, if they have concerns about the 5% grading, that number's been on the books for five weeks. Uh, we did get a, a letter from uh, Savion with three points. Two of them we uh, adopted exactly as asked. And the third one was about the CUP length, in which case we had already given um, Nextera the, the time length that they had asked for repeatedly and through public comment. So I feel like we have been responded to everything we possibly could have. Um, and if there was a lack of engagement, it was not on our part. Luke Sinclair Chair, thanks for that. Commissioner Rexford, go ahead. Just a, a little bit of a plus one with some extra color. I think there's a difference between um, uh, feeling not heard or not represented and disagreeing. Um, we've had uh, several um, engagements with industry. We've had feedback in a number of cases, a lot of it through, as, as uh, Commissioner Willie pointed out, uh, through their uh, legal counsel. Um, even with the feedback we've heard tonight, it falls back to those themes. I, I absolutely uh, feel confident that we've heard that even from participating landowners have a sense for what they're asking for. It's incorporated in those themes. I think that we've thought that through pretty well. And there's just a difference between um, having an additional meeting and not agreeing with each other. Because I think it's really more the latter than it is the former. Thanks for that, Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, any other thoughts from the commission on, on those points? Go ahead, Commissioner Carter. Yeah, David Carter, Planning Commissioner. At risk of admitting that I may have missed something, um, and, and I, uh, I was uh, not able to make the study session last, last month, but I did diligently listen to the entire thing and really appreciated the detail and, uh, and diligence that the uh, ad hoc committee followed in not only in preparing the information, but conveying it. Um, but in response to um, requests from several uh, members of the public this evening that we restrict the project size to 500 acres instead of 1,000, could I ask one of the ad hoc committee members to address that in more detail and just revisit the logic of the 1,000 of the acre limit as opposed to 500? And thank you in advance. Luke Sinclair Chair, go ahead, Commissioner Carpenter. Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. <clears throat> As been stated before, one of the confusing factors in doing all of this is that there's an advertised potential project that's been out there that straddles a county line that talked about 3,000 plus acres. Um, our approach to that was meeting, talking with the county, 
and what is a workable size to process this detailed an application. Their upper end was a thousand acres, which we know that the entire project area could be more than that, which means <laughs> it could take a lot more time. But that was the bite-sized piece. I just want to make sure everybody understands that we're not limiting the total acreage that's used for solar in the county. That is built into the conditional use permit process where subsequent uh, projects are part of the evaluation process is the cumulative impact on the county. So we have built that in there. Um, it could be set at a lower amount, but then we've, as you've been hearing all along is, you know, this is this is the criticism from in people in environmental groups on one side, it's not big enough, we're not doing enough, we need to you know, not have limits. Well, we're talking about per conditional use permit, not the total in the county. That number has not been established. We can't establish it. We had long discussions about what the impact is of how we would approach that. If we put a county cap, what can we expect to see happen with a race to the top, you know, to gobble up it all? So we left it that we're going to evaluate it project by project in bite-sized pieces that the county can handle. Um, and if it was 500 for a CUP, there's no nothing that can stop somebody from ask, filing two CUP applications of 500 apiece side by side, because we're not setting an area between these. Again, that's a individual evaluation, whether there's a reason to put a distance between each individual project or not. And that's at the, with the next step, not for the general regulations, but for each specific CUP application. So if anybody else, if I've missed something, if somebody else wants to jump in, please do so. Luke's and Claire Chair, go ahead, Commissioner Rexrod. Thanks, Commissioner Rexrod. Um, everything Jim said is right on. Um, the one thing I might add is, that from my perspective, um, and we heard loud and clear from industry that the direction that utility scale solar is going is larger. And we wanted to find the ways to encourage green energy, renewable energy, but also marry that with all the work we need to do to protect the areas where it might go. A thousand acres just seem like the right fit. It can be smaller than that. And if, uh, if the, if the uh, developer uh, you know, has a project that makes sense, that has the right kind of values for our community, they can make a case for larger. But a thousand acres is a great framework that considers our resources and also uh, sends a, a message to industry that we are, in fact, interested in working with them. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Thank you for that. Commissioner Willie, go ahead. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. I would say, I think it's fair to say that there's not a major issue on the table that we started off, the four of us, on the same place. We came from very different places. We came from across the spectrum on nearly every one of these kind of hot topics, as you've called them. Um, and through a, a process of you know, listening, you know, processing, uh, working together, we've come to a place that we think has balance for the community. Um, a thousand acres is gonna stretch us. It's, 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 a, it's a big land use. Um, we also felt, um, and I think we were somewhat um, 
looking, I mean, would not probably not have started as large as that if we hadn't had kind of this you know, industry uh, ask that was even larger than that. Um, I think what Commissioner Carpenter said is, 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 is exactly right. It's not a cap on the number of acres in the county. It's not even truly a cap. Um, that is kind of the, the, the boundary, the guideline that we set with also ability to flex on that for commission for future commissions as they want to. Thank you, Commissioner Willie. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, Commissioner Carter, are you, are you satisfied with that? Uh, David Carter, Plan Commissioner. I, I'm 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 satisfied. There's there's a part of me who hasn't spent the hundreds of hours that the work that the ad hoc group has uh, in wondering, as Commissioner Carpenter suggested, if the cap for an individual CUP were 500 acres, what's the harm in making that the cap for an individual CUP? And then if uh, if an applicant wants to file for two CUPs, so be it. But um, uh, I think this is something that maybe the Board of County Commissioners is going to con continue uh, debating. I'm sure we'll have members of the public show up at that meeting as well. And um, uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm struggling with the business logic as well as the, you know, just the ecological and practical logic um, of what, what's the significance of any number that you set. So I'm satisfied with the answers and I'm really grateful for the for the thoughtful responses. I'm not sure I'm satisfied in general with, you know, the answer. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the uh, what the Board of County Commissioners settles on. Luke Sinclair, Chair, go ahead. Jim Carpenter, I just point out, Commissioner Carter, that these regulations cover everything from 20 a little over 20 acres to up to a thousand acres i mean i some of us on the committee would certainly like to see it more distributed and smaller um we just set the upper limit it's kind of where the discussions went with what we're hearing from other counties other locales this seemed and this is like i said what the county felt it could handle on each application i mean just the process and and if it's two smaller cups they're going to be in line so what does that do you know that's you know i don't know i you're right a lot of it's some of these things just seem arbitrary at the end but they're really not because <laughs> we reached these because of some practical limitations and to have the greatest amount of flexibility because we know that when each application comes in we're going to hear a lot about where it is how the boundaries might have to be adjusted to to mitigate the impact on individual landowners you know that's where it comes in are we going to surround a property make an island out of somebody inside this well we probably know where this particular planning commission would go with that type of topic and what conditions we might impose, but we can't put that limit on somebody 25 years down the road using these. So we, we're trying, we just wanted something that was flexible enough, that was big enough that the industries say they could work with, even though they want more, of course, and people that 
don't want to look at them want less. I mean, those, those are the competing interests. So it was kind of in the middle. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, at least, was this is what this is the maximum size the county felt it could handle at one time. So that's why we set it as a max. <clears throat> David Carter, Planning Commissioner. Fair enough. Uh, thanks. Thanks again. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Thanks for that. Um, go ahead, Commissioner Willie. And really, Planning Commissioner, I just wanted to make a, a kind of an observation and a comment. Um, you know, we heard from a lot of the citizen groups and members of the you know the, the neighborhood that um, in southeast Douglas County that feels like they may be soon to be impacted by this, um, saying that they felt heard. And we also um, heard that that might be you know a problem that it, all along that you know did we listen to them too much? Did we listen to um, you know things that didn't seem logical? That sort of thing. And and. And we were out to listen to everything and everyone. Um, that doesn't mean that we believe everything and everyone. I mean, we we are pretty reasonable, logical people and able to kind of um, sift through that. Um, I, I think the difference was so when we spoke with the citizens groups from the very first um, meeting that uh, Commissioner Ashworth and I attended and said, we were, we were very upfront that uh, we can't give them everything they want. Um, and they didn't by any means get everything they wanted. Um, there is not a one of them that is happy with or you know satisfied with you know the the results of the regulations we've come up with. They were intended to be a balance between competing values and wants. Um, the fact that they were gracious to us and felt heard, I think is is fabulous and valuable. And we could not have done the work without their input of what their concerns really were. We did the best we could with them, but I think um, not that we were um, swayed in one direction more than another unnecessarily, but just that they were uh, uh, gracious and put a lot of time into this and uh, engaged with us as much as they could and wanted to. Thank you for that, Commissioner Willie. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Um, go ahead, Commissioner Carpenter. Carpenter, please. I just want to add to that that any claim that was made, we tried to track down information on it. And essentially, we were looking for peer reviewed studies, not just, you know, some self appointed anti whatever guru out there. We were looking for peer-reviewed scientific studies. Commissioner Ashworth was really on top of that, doing doing literature searches for us and providing us with information as she found it. So we listened to everything and we tried to track down the real information. And that's what we hopefully have only relied on in trying to come up with this. And yes, we did listen to everybody. And I know some some of us on the commission think that, you know, we spent a lot of time maybe spinning our wheels, listening to things until we got to the point we were hearing the same thing over and over again. That's when we knew, at least for me, that's when I knew we had enough. And that's when we really buckled down and and figured out what these balances would be. So that was our process. And that's part of the reason it took this time. And like, and like the other commissioners on the committee have said, we we have been inundated with information from.
from both the industries, sometimes through their attorneys, sometimes otherwise, and from the public and everyone in between. So if you actually had the packet of every piece of information, it would be thousands and thousands of pages and none of us have read, been able to read every bit of it. We've relied on each other's expertise to kind of winnow through everything to give us the, the, the gist of what we needed to consider. Luke Sinclair Chair, Commissioner Thomas, go ahead. Uh, Commissioner Thomas, I am truly grateful that you guys did the work that you did. And I, I have gotten my answers. Um, I would like, and I forget whose suggestion it was, to go ahead and look at what's done and run through the regulations that you've done and see if we can't come up with I, yay, nay, whatever else we need to do. But I, I would be ready to look at the regulations that you so diligently have worked on for hours and hours. Thank you, Commissioner Thomas. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Yeah, so I, we, I mean, it, going off of what Commissioner Rexroad suggested, we've kind of touched the topics of the grading and size, the, yeah. the CUP length, um, impacts to neighbors and then stakeholder engagement and a number of other things. Do, does anyone have any additional comments on those? Um, uh, before you humor me and, and just kind of walking through manageable chunks of the regulations to see if there's anything else out there that anybody notices. For no other reason, it'll make us look at it all, this, this document <laughs> that the ad hoc committee has spent so much time on. Um, okay, well, so my, what I was thinking was we could just go through it section by section. When I say section, if you pull them up, pull up the, uh, the, um, the draft version for today's meeting. Um, you know, in my mind, the first section is uh, 49.01, the definition section. Um, and not to like go through each subsection, but are there, are there any questions or comments on, on the definition section? And I guess we could all just sort of take a, a couple of moments to look through there. I guess this, uh, while everyone's looking, this is really a question for the the four of us who are not on the ad hoc committee. I'm guessing the, you all don't have any questions or comments. Maybe you do. The ad hoc committee on the definition <laughs> section. Uh, do Commissioner Carter, go ahead. David Carter, Planning Commissioner. I just want to say um, subsection I, area definitions, is critical. Uh, I think that's that was a really important part of the presentation last month. Um, I'm curious about the graphic illustrating the various terms, if that's going to be complete before this goes to the Board of County Commissioners and, and who's responsible for that. 
Mary Miller planner. I'm responsible for that and it will be ready. Um, it'll just be a graphic that uh, it's better than the one that's in the wording. It'll be black and white. I'm basing it off that same facility just because it's so clear and I just haven't had time to get it put together yet, but it will be finished. That's great. Uh, David Carter, Planning Commission. I think having <clears throat> the consistent vocabulary when we talk about this stuff is is so critical because otherwise we use one word to describe or one term to describe something completely different and and it, it's cause for equivocation and confusion so that, that that's that's great thank you mary thanks for that commissioner carter luke sinclair chair anybody else um, on any of the definitions Okay, I'm, I'm sort of assuming too that everyone has uh, read through these ahead of time, so you're not reading these for the first time <laughs> right now. Uh, okay, so let's move on then, I, I think, to um, 49.02, which is limited scale and commercial utility scale solar energy conversion system. Um, there's a number of subsections in there, uh, I guess three. Does anybody have any comments or questions on A, B, or C? Not seeing any. And if I move too fast, you can raise your hand and we can come back to something. Um, then uh, section 49.03 um, is approvals required for revisions. A couple provisions in there. Do any commissioners have comments or questions about those? Okay. Uh, moving on then to 49.04, which is the conditions required for approval. Um, couple subsections and one of them has a, a sort of a laundry list. Uh, are there any questions or comments about those? Um, I guess one thing I would highlight is I, I, this may be, Mary, what you were alluding to earlier when we were talking about sort of the character of the area, but the section 12307-2.07, is that, is that set forth the other criteria that will be considered when a, a CUP application is submitted? Mary Miller, yes, those, this criteria, this is what we look at when we're reviewing the standards. It's kind of sets the intent because sometimes you get a standard and you're looking at a project, you're not sure how to apply it. And this kind of tells us what, what is the reason for the standards and the criteria in that section you mentioned, that's the overall criteria that we would look at if we try to make a, a decision on an actual application. Okay. Um, all right, well, let's move on then to 49.04, which are the standards, um, sort of one of the meatier uh, sections of the regulations. Um, uh, 
you know, I guess we can kind of go through them. Does anybody have any concerns about uh, A, B, or C? We'll take them in bite-sized chunks. Okay. Um, what about uh, sections D um, and E? That'd be the section subsections on location and size. Commissioner Carpenter, go ahead. I'm Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. I, I just realized none of us have addressed the issue raised by many of the public and gave public comment about use of brownfield sites. Uh, we had that discussion. Um, Jeff Crick uh, was able to join us at several of our meetings and it turns out we don't really have brownfield sites in Douglas County. There's one at an abandoned missile site and that's about it. It's a very specific definition uh, by the EPA. The one everyone's referring to is in Johnson County, which is the Sunflower Ammunition Plant, which as you know, if you've been following the paper, it's been annexed into DeSoto. Uh, Savion, Kansas City uh, Solar Energy Company is looking to develop on that property, which is now city property uh, and not subject to the Johnson County regulations. And that is also the possible future site of the Panasonic um, electric vehicle battery plant that's getting the billion dollar plus possible subsidies from the state of Kansas and they choose to locate. So that's the use of the Sunflower Ammunition Plant. It will have a lot of solar on it, it looks like. Um, but that doesn't do anything about the regulations that we have in Douglas County. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, any other comments or observations or questions about um, location or size, those subsections? Um, obviously we've talked about size. <clears throat> What about then moving on uh, the sections on glare and vegetation, subsections F and G? Anybody have any questions or comments? Go ahead, Commissioner Carter. Or Carter sorry. Yeah, uh, David Carter, Planning Commissioner. Um, I have a question, not so much a question, but some feedback on, um, I don't know what you call it, subsection or paragraph five of F, um, positioning units in a manner that reduces glare. Um, I'm curious if there is a mechanism for neighbors to report glare. You know, we've got surface treatment, right? But positioning, just a minor, um, you know, a, a fraction of a degree can make, have an impact on whether it's throwing glare into, you know, a, a, a property uh, two miles away. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious if it's necessary, I know it's desirable to build in some way for neighbors to be able to offer, you know, um, uh, concerns to the operator about things like that. Good question. Not Luke Sinclair chair. Is it, I guess, is there, are there, 
Is there a section or provision in these regulations or I guess elsewhere in the zoning regs that would give neighboring landowners um, uh, an avenue, I guess, of reporting in, uh, or inquiring about those sorts of things? Commissioner Rexroad, go ahead. I don't know about a specific section that speaks to gathering that information, but I would put that in a category where I would almost anything where if the intent of the uh, area of the regulation isn't met, um, community can contact the county and or the you know, plan department and we would act on that accordingly. And it could be subject of glare, it could be almost anything else that's uh, uh, considered inside the regulations. Probably a light answer, Commissioner Carter, but that's the way I've thought about it in terms of enforcement. Go ahead, Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. A glare plan is one of the things that's asked for with the application. And as part of the CUP process, uh, I imagine that the uh, Planning Commission would, uh, and the staff really would evaluate that and note any problem areas that would either need to be addressed or mitigated or that might have any impacts on roadways and houses. And, and that would be addressed in the CUP process itself. And as Commissioner Rexford said, that then there's a complaint process to the county. Luke's in clear chair. Go ahead, Commissioner Carpenter. I'm Carpenter, Planning Commission. You also note that elsewhere in this uh, text amendment, it takes into consideration glare that might impact air traffic or landing strips in the county or around the airports where it could even reach the level of needing FAA, FAA review and approval. So glare is in there and has been pointed out, you know, there's everything's going to be done up front to make sure it doesn't happen. But then it's up to people that are impacted by it to report it to the county, which happens all the time now, anytime there's glare. And then they send out Ben Harris eventually to check it out and see if there's a way to remedy it. David Carter, Planning Commissioner, that, that's great. As long as there's a mechanism. Um, it just seems like one of those things that can't necessarily be planned with accuracy uh, in advance. Um, and so having a mechanism to make adjustments after the fact is, is important. So as long as that exists, that's great. Luke Sinclair Chair. Before we move on, I guess, I, Mary, I might just point out that I think there's two 49.04s. I think the approvals required for revisions and the conditions required for approval are both, or I'm sorry, the conditions required for approval and then the standards are both 49.04. Are those sorts of minor numbering issues going to be fixed before it goes to the county commission? Yeah, I'll get that updated. I took off the automatic numbering because it messed things up. So I obviously yeah. messed this up myself. <laughs> Been there. Um, okay, uh, Luke Sinclair Chair. Do any commissioners have any comments or questions about subsection H involving soils? I note there's there are some additions, and then also uh, it looks like one the the portion highlighted yellow has been moved uh, to the vegeta vegetation section. Um, 
not seeing any. Um, <clears throat> what about uh, subsections I, um, well, subsection I on setbacks? Any questions or comments on that section? Go ahead, Commissioner Willie. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, as you probably guessed, we spent a lot of time talking about this and um, putting out flags and measuring things and kind of debating about this. And one of the things was, um, you know, the surrounded on two sides, three sides, you know, what what is, how do we address that? And rather than have, um, you know, a, a limit on that, we decided to go with a larger setback than we otherwise would have on all sides. And then the property owner can negotiate whether they are participating or non-participating, because this could impact on their property if they're participating or even on their neighbor's property um, within that, that 500 feet. Um, what we had heard from community groups prior to that was uh, 600 feet. And so we kind of, that was part of our discussion is 500 feet, 600 feet, 100 feet. I mean, it's been all across the board. If you've looked at our different drafts, um, the, the, the comment tonight about having a half mile, I, I, I feel it was coming fairly late also, but um, that, that I, I think that really would make solar untenable in Douglas County. I'm not sure that we have um, half mile setbacks from, from residences or, or or property lines and then leave us really any land whatsoever to, to work from. So um, since our expressed uh, purpose in creating regulations was to to leave a path forward for that, that's, that's why we did not um, consider something at, at that length, uh, but we ended up at the 500 feet. Okay, thank you, Luke Sinclair Chair. Go ahead, Commissioner Carpenter. I'm Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. Uh, two other points. If if there is a separate deal between the um, applicant or owner of the solar facility and an adjacent landowner to reduce that setback, that would have to be a land contract, which would follow with the land. And we have requirements elsewhere in here that those be filed with the Register of Deeds so any future purchaser of a property knows what encumbrances there are on the land. Um, the second is, just as an, a side note, uh, we've seen setbacks as small as 10 feet. Uh, Kingman County down west of Itch Wichita just adopted solar regulations and their setback is 10 feet from residences. And there is a huge solar farm up in Oh gosh, Minnesota, I used it in a presentation. I can't remember which state it was, but if you look at that, it's a thousand acre solar farm and it's right in people's backyards. It's, you know, so it's all across the board. So we set it at, at this distance and then allowed the individual to negotiate, which Commissioner Rexro really pointed out <laughs> would be important to include. So we, we are all were swayed by that, I guess. So we have that in there. Great, Luke Sinclair Chair. Any other um, thoughts on this, on the step back section? Okay, and then let's move on to subsection J, um, which is fencing and screening. Does anybody have a comment or questions on that section? 
Okay, move on then to um, battery energy storage system, subsection K. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Not seeing any. Um, what about uh, subsections L and M? Those are signage and lighting. Not seeing any hands. Um, how about um, subsection N regarding noise? Okay. What about uh, subsection O, electrical interconnections? How about subsection P, maintenance? Not seeing any. What about subsections Q and R, groundwater testing and uh, the affidavit? Commissioner Ashworth. Karen Ashworth, Planning Commission. Um, just a quick note, mostly for um, the Board of County Commissioners to consider. Um, one of the things that, um, uh, so this, these regulations apply to limited scale as well as utility scale. And one of the things I might consider in this section is um, not requiring this for the limited scale operations, the smaller operations that are 20 acres or less. Um, I don't think that that's just something for, I just want to mention um, as this goes forward to the Board of County Commissioners. Luke Sinclair, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Ashworth, but not as a suggested addition as of an exception in these that, that we send on if we do. Yeah, Sharon Ashworth Planning Commission. No, I tried to uh, make a point of this and ended up with a technical foul on my part um, in terms of commenting. So it's just something I would um, say right now, and it might be something for the Board of County Commissioners to consider. Okay. Uh, not to get into a big debate now. Okay. Sinclair, Chair. Thank you. Okay. Um, does anybody have any comments on uh, subsection S involving liability insurance? That whole subsection was changed, um, but I'm not seeing any. Um, what about uh, subsections 
T, U, and V. Those are airspace, overlayer, overlayer, airstrip, other standards and codes, um, and modifications. Um, okay, how about subsection W, building permits and plan review? Any questions or comments on that section? Okay, subsection X is the time frame, which we've discussed a bit before now, but are there any other questions or comments on that particular subsection? Um, okay, subsection Y uh, covers transfer of operator. Um, I think we discussed a, a change to that with, uh, I think Commissioner Shanklin was the one that talked about that. Um, and I think we have that covered. Mary, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there any other question or comments on that section while we're here? No, not seeing any. Mary, and you have language written down for uh, the suggested revision to that section? Uh, yes, to okay. make it clear the county commission can approve or deny the new operator. Okay. Luke Sinclair Chair. Um, subsection Z is extraordinary events. Does anybody have any comments or questions about that one as, as it's currently modified? Okay, not seeing any. Then the last subsection, double um, A, which is reviews. Do any commissioners have questions or comments about that section? Nope. All right. Um, then the last part of the text amendments are the um, application and required documents. Um, that's 49.05 in, in this version. Uh, do any commissioners have any comments, I guess, about uh, subsection A, which is the additional public notice? Commissioner Willie, go ahead. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. We've had deep and philosophical conversations about the value of certified mail. <laughs> and, and we did come up with the decision, even though it, it still did come in public comment of wanting certified mail um, to let people know that, that a project was coming. Um, I think most of us decided that we don't sign for certified mail from people we don't know. So I'm not sure anybody else, if, if my rural neighbors are at least as uh, suspicious as I am, that they might not either. So we felt that regular mail or just the mail um, had a better chance of reaching more people than certified mail would. So that's why that change occurred. Uh, we did, like I said, we debated that quite a bit. Mm. If anybody else wants to say anything about it. Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner. I think we saw <clears throat> uh, Chair Sinclair's reaction to that. He's familiar with the 
how certified mail works in the legal setting. So I think you can appreciate the discussions that we had. Yes, I'm really sad to have missed those. Um, Luke Sinclair Chair. Okay, any other questions or comments on the notice, uh, the additional public notice section? Okay. Um, how about the uh, subsection B, which is existing conditions? Give everyone a chance to look through those. There's a number of uh, revisions to that particular subsection. Go ahead, Commissioner Carter. David Carter, Planning Commissioner. I'm intrigued by the uh, the instruction. Uh, the, uh, the digital site plan must be formatted to toggle layers off and on. I'm curious if there's any um, analog for the physical plan. <laughs> there are any particular instructions on how a physical uh, a physical uh, site plan would be constructed? I'm just not I'm not sure I understand what that alternative to a digital plan would be. Are we talking about a hard copy paper plan? Are we literally talking about a model? What do we what can someone clarify what, what that is supposed to mean, a physical plan? Um, well, the physical plan, uh, Mary Miller Planner, the physical plan is just the paper copy. So okay. the goal is they give us one paper copy and then the digital plan. And that's the one that the various layers could be turned off and on. And that's just in case they put up more things on one page. It's easier to read if you turn one off. You know, if they give us a separate page for everything, you have a lot of pages. So fantastic. Thank you. I was just, I was just, I just didn't understand the expression physical plan as opposed to digital. So thank you. Jim Carpenter Bank, Mr. I just want to point out we're in a section now where most of these changes are recommendations by the county engineer and some other individuals in the county just to have specific wording to make their jobs easier. That's helpful. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Um, not seeing any other commissioners that want to talk about that. So how about moving on to subsection C, which is uh, proposed conditions. Does anybody have any comments or questions about that subsection? Okay, looks like everyone's okay with that. Um, I think subsection D is the last subsection, but it's pretty lengthy. It's the uh, list of additional materials um, that the regs will require to be submitted with the application. Um, oh, 
maybe we can group some of these together. Does anybody have uh, any questions or concerns about, um, you know, I guess items one through six on the additional materials? What about item seven, which is a stormwater management plan? No, okay. Um, any questions or comments on oh, items eight, nine, 10, or 11? Not seeing any. Um, subsection 12, which is a traffic and road maintenance plan, is uh, a, a little lengthier with some modifications. Uh, does anybody have any comments or questions about that one? Not seeing any. How about um, with respect to the landscaping plan, which is subsection 13? Um, okay, not seeing any there. What about section or subsection 12, the vegetation management agrivoltaic plan? Subsection 13 is emergency services, fire and safety plan. Do any commissioners have comments or questions about that? Okay, not seeing any. Um, Subsection 14, which is offsite construction improvements, has been removed. Uh, does anybody have questions or concerns about that removal? Comments? Okay. Anyone have comments or questions about subsection 15, solar glare hazard analysis? Commissioner Shanklin here. I think maybe there's a typo uh, close to the right-hand margin that says solar flare aviation. Isn't that glare? I'm assuming, Luke Sinclair Chair, I'm assuming that's supposed to be glare based on 
reactions, but I'll, <laughs> I'll defer to Mary. Yes, that was a, an intentional, my fingers typed that themselves, so we'll change that. <laughs> Not a sunspot analysis. <laughs> How about um, subsection 16, the soil sampling plan provision? Does anybody have a uh, question or comment about that one? Okay. Um, Next would be subsection subsection seventeen abandonment decommissioning and reclamation plan. Um, does anybody have questions or comments on that particular section? Not seeing any, <clears throat> I'll move on then. The next one is subsection 18, and that's the bond requirement. Uh, we discussed this sort of at the outset of our um, conversation on this, and I think I have, and we ensured at that time, I think that Mary had the, the revision uh, written down, but are there any other comments or questions on the bond requirement? Okay, and that's the last section that's actually in it, but sections 19 and 20 have been removed. Does anybody have questions or comments about the removal of uh, liability on termination or expiration and non-liability? <clears throat> okay, I'm assuming the Silence is, uh, should be taken as an affirmation of all the work that the ad hoc committee has, has done. Um, are, are there any other, I mean, I, realistically speaking, we just kind of flew through that, but wanted to do it so we could make sure as we were going that no one had any lingering concerns that they had forgotten to raise at the outset. But does anybody after going through that, uh, are there any other questions, comments, or revisions that we need to discuss? Okay. Um, I mean, it, I guess if there's not much more to discuss, I uh, I would ask. I, I guess, Mary, in in the uh, staff report, um, I guess it's uh, it's it's an attachment to the current staff report, but from the June. 21st, 2021 staff report, there was an analysis you included um, of the review criteria for the text amendment. Um, and I'm assuming those are sort of incorporated for tonight's purposes, if to the extent we're going to actually take a, a vote on moving this along. Is that right? Ray Miller planner. Yes, we included that since you were asking you to take action. 
do any commissioners have any concerns with uh, the those review criteria having been met? I figure we should probably just put that out there before we get to a point of taking a vote. For what it's worth, I don't have any concerns with those criteria having been met, but I just wanted to give everybody the opportunity. I, unless anybody has anything else to add, I, I don't see that there's much much use in delaying, um, seeing if there's anybody that wishes to make a motion um, on the text amendment. Commissioner Rexrod. If uh, everyone feels we're ready, I would, uh, I'd make a motion that we um, approve text amendment TA-21-00173 as standards for commercial utility scale solar energy conversion systems um, as presented in this staff report and referred to county commission for approval. Luke Sinclair Chair and Commissioner Rexford, I think that would incorporate the the revisions we discussed um, being made to the, the, I think the couple sections. Correct, we added one specific add uh, and language from Commissioner Shanklin. Okay. Um, we have, so uh, Commissioner Rexroad has uh, moved to approve the text amendment and forwarded on with a recommendation for approval to the Board of County Commissioners um, as per the staff report with those noted changes that we discussed. Is there a second? Commissioner Carter, thank you. A hand motion. Uh, any other uh, discussion, questions, comments before we vote on this one? Go ahead, Commissioner Willie. And Willie, Planning Commissioner, do we need to uh, any for, for Mary? Maybe do we need any to list the uh, small changes that were suggested, or is that covered enough in the motion? That yeah. question, from Mary, and I have a small list if if we want to run through them. Mary Miller, if you want to, that's great. I made a list so I can go through and if I missed anything, I can add that. Okay. Um, we have a change to the language in section 18 about the bond to adjust for um, inflation annually and review every five years for other conditions and every year in the last five years. We have um, an addition to section Y about new operators that we would uh, review information about the new operator and not just receive it, or rather that the county would. Um, insertion of the graphic about the area terms, um, any updates or, or for the numbering system, 
around 49.04. If if Commissioner uh, Ashworth wants this, which is totally fine with me, to uh, exempt the the medium scale, and I've forgotten, um, the limited scale solar from the requirement for groundwater testing and to change uh, the word flare to the word glare in section D15. Okay, and so I had a comment from uh, Commissioner Ashworth about not requiring the affidavit for the limited scale. I didn't get the one about the groundwater testing. Did I get the wrong one? Chair Ashworth Planning Commission, it was the water quality analysis, not the affidavit. Okay. Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner, we also have numbering issues on pages like 20 through 23, where we go 12, 13, 12, 14, 13, 14, something like that. But I'm sure all those be caught. Hopefully, and also solar flare needs to be changed to slow glare. Luke Sinclair Chair, thanks for uh, listing those out, Commissioner Willie, just so we are clear. And I, just to confirm, commissioners, uh, Commissioner Rexroad, is, is, you intended those to be incorporated, I guess, as part of your motion? That's completely consistent okay. with the motion, yes. <laughs> and Commissioner Carter, you're seconding that just Absolutely. to reaffirm? Okay. All right. Um, okay. Luke Sinclair Chair. Any other uh, comments before we have a vote? I guess I would, I mean, we can, we, we need to thank the ad hoc committee, I think, from now until eternity, maybe. At some point in this life or another, you'll be rewarded for. I think for 25 years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then it ends. Um, but no, seriously, thank you. Thank you all um, for, the, for the amount of time you put into this. Um, but I guess with that, uh, Jeff, can you read the roll? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes nine to zero. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you for that. And I guess one more, I should have not forgotten to uh, uh, thank Mary for the amount of time you've put in um, on this as well. That is, does not go unnoticed. <laughs> you've put up with this commission and uh, I'm, I'm guessing uh, the ad hoc committee as well. But Commissioner Carpenter, uh, did you have something to say? Uh, just some points of order about where we go next. Um, originally in the past, there was talk about a study session with the Board of County Commissioners prior to their public meeting. I don't know, I'd like to know if that's still being considered. And the second is the status of the ad hoc committee. Uh, when will it terminate? 
And will that be after a final vote of the county commission in case it comes back or, or at some other time? So just those two items, if we could yeah. just hear from staff or somebody that can give us some direction on that. Jeff Cray, Planning and Development Services. I believe I can answer your second question first. It, it exactly was, as Commissioner Carpenter alludes to, it, it may be in good keeping to just hold the ad hoc as a position at the moment in case it does remand back to you for further review. So that is available to you. Uh, we could disband the ad hoc at the time that that is determined not to be necessary going on that one. Um, and to Commissioner Carpenter's first question, I don't have uh, any information on that one. I don't know if, if Mary or, or Carl has any information to, or excuse me, uh, Ben too, may have any information to clarify that uh, tonight. But um, if not, we can work to get you an answer on that and, and let you know. Looks clear. Right. Go ahead, Mary. No, you go ahead. Sorry. Mary Miller, um, I know that was the intention. They've talked about having the study session, so I believe they do intend to. I haven't heard the date, so I think we, we can check on that and let you know. Luke Sinclair, Chair, and I, I uh, depending on when this um, would come back to the Planning Commission, if it did, I we may need to uh, fill some a spot or some spots on the ad hoc committee, depending whether it comes back after June, because um, if I think we're going to lose Commissioner Willie, sadly, uh, if I'm right, and I can't remember if any, yeah, so that might be it. But in any case, something to consider as we as we get down that uh, down the line on that. Um, okay, well then that brings that <laughs> to uh, close for now. But we're not done. Uh, um, we there were two items that uh, were uh, one was deferred and one was withdrawn. So that's the end of the regular um, meeting items. We do have though um, uh, in miscellaneous new old business a reference to that uh, public in uh, informational public meeting um, that the letter we talked about in the communications at the beginner beginning of the meeting referenced. And I guess, uh, Jeff, is there anything else that needs to be talked about with that? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services. Uh, just one minor item related to that. If you do plan to attend the meeting, it does. Uh, the letter does ask that you contact uh, um, Bobby Walthall in the city manager's office so they can know to put you on the list. Um, they're making the meeting arrangements just in case something needs to change or the, the format goes from in-person to Zoom or Zoom to in-person. That way everybody can get that information. So if you do have interest in attending that, please read that. Um, please reach out and contact Bobby to make sure that is you're on that list there. Um, that's that's all we have on that. And we do have some other miscellaneous items for your uh, discussion this evening, though. That'd be great. Thank you, Chair. This is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Um, I just wanted to um, provide an update and a couple of requests related to the Planning Commission orientation. Um, first, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who completed that doodle survey that we sent out looking for a possible date for that, uh, our next Planning Commission orientation. Um, unfortunately, we didn't find a date that worked well for everyone. And so um, I just wanted to give you a heads up that we're going to be sending that doodle link back out just to see if maybe since uh, you last filled it out, your schedules had changed, um, anything had opened up or there was some flexibility there. So I'd appreciate if you take another look at that. 
And then also um, we'd like to um, form a subcommittee to help with the creation of that orientation. Um, this would be uh, another four member uh, committee that would include the chair and vice chair. So we're looking for two volunteers. Um, unlike the solar ad hoc committee, this would be very low commitment. A lot of the work would probably be able to be done through um, emails, um, maybe some Zoom meetings if needed, but um, so uh, just looking for some volunteers with that. Yeah, Luke Sinclair Chair, does anybody want to hang out with me and the vice chair on Zoom? And Becky and Jeff, Commissioner Carter. David Carter, Planning Commissioner, I'll be happy to uh, participate. Commissioner Rexford, I know nothing, but I'd be happy to participate. <laughs> okay. Very good. We got our, our two uh, volunteers, Becky. I, I, do, I will say I don't think it's going to be, uh, I'll reaffirm, I don't think that's going to be all that much work, but it, it would be good to get some, uh, some other insight. Thank you. The most work is going to be uh, Vice Chair Ashworth, who's going to have to make sure it's better than the last one. Um, okay, anything else? Jeff? Jeff Craig, Planning Development Services, that, that is all we needed this evening. Okay, well, thank you all. Um, much appreciated, and I guess uh, we need to adjourn. Is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Luke Sinclair Chair, thank you. Commissioner Carter, do we have a second? Commissioner Ashworth, thank you for seconding that. Um, Jeff, can you take the role on that? Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Payton? Yes. Commissioner Rexford? Yes. Commissioner Shanklin? Yes. Commissioner Sinclair? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Commissioner Willie? Yes. Motion passes nine to zero. Great. Thank you all. See you next month. <laughs>